All right, it's gonna be silent, silent, silence. We good, we good, we good, we good. good yes, brother. we are good. Hi. This is episode 10 of that One Bottles podcast. Woo! We made it to 10 episodes. We didn't get canceled. Uh, everyone loves it so far. Yes, sir. Uh, my next guest is my mentor of seven years. If you enjoy my writing, you're definitely going to love his writing. This man has been a reporter for 20 years already? Yes, sir. 20 years here at the San Antonio Express News. This man has covered everything locally. It's a phenomenal writer. Great, even better mentor. My next guest is Vincent T. Davis. How are you? I'm doing fine, and thank you for the invite, sir. Yeah. Appreciate it. We're in this soundproof room. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of scary. It is. It's intimidating. It's like Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to today? So today, um, you know, uh, got in and went by to see um, Ponchos and Gringos on the east side. Hey. You know, we just did a story about them, and photojournalist Billy Calzada and I spent the summer. The goat Billy. All day. He's fantastic. Um, we spent the summer over there just talking to folks and just kind of observing. Yeah. You know, which is, as you know, is part of the writing process, man. Yeah. Sometimes we would go over, and we're not even writing anything, but we're just gathering information. And so we did that from June until the end of August. How do you prepare for that? Um, well, you know, the thing with Pontos and Gringos was we always, uh, we just went in there and it's like this microcosm of just folks from across San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And one day, the thing that led Billy and I to think about doing a story was when we saw one of the waitresses help two gentlemen who were, um, blind. Oh, wow. And they were eating, but from where we were at... Is that visually disabled? I don't know. What are we saying? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be in, you I know, mean, politically incorrect. Um, but we were. I was sitting there. She didn't know I was a reporter. Yeah. And I watched her. And these gentlemen, they got their canes, and they went up and paid their bill, and then they went outside. But because she knew them, mm -hmm. when they went a different way, it startled her, and she went to the window to make sure that they were okay. Yeah. She watched them as they walked down the block. Wow. And so I was watching her, and when she came back, I said, excuse me, you know, I said, what, what was going on? I saw that you lingered a little longer, you know, than you probably would. And she said, I just wanted to make sure that they were okay and they were going, you know, where they were, you know, just to see where they were headed. Yeah. And I guess they were going to meet some folks. But they lived in the neighborhood. Okay. And the thing about Ponchos and Gringos that we found out is that it's not... Um, it's, it's more than just putting the plate down and going off or getting the bill. Yeah. These people, they seem to genuinely care. And we saw it uh, on several occasions while we were there. How do you get your editor on board with that? <laughs> I'm the worst pitch guy. <laughs> <laughs> I am the worst pitch guy, man. I, You know, but here's the thing. So over that period of time, I think that she trusts me. You know, mm -hmm. like if I have to do a formal pitch, you know, uh, even writing it, she knows the way that I am, and um, she's going to give me a shot. She's nice. going to give me a chance. So I think um, I had to earn it, if you will. How long did it take you to earn that? Um, so we've worked together. So she worked with me at the very beginning of my career. Nice. And then... And this is Didi. This is Diana Fuentes Didi. 
Okay. Okay. And so um, she helped to groom me and teach me and chastise, you know, and whenever I kind of, you know, went off as I, as I do as a feature writer. Yeah. You know, but she taught us how to play within the lines and stuff and to push the limits. So I went to her and I told her about Ponchos and Gringos, mm-hmm. this, you know, this deli on the, on the east side that's in the midst of the neighborhood that's being gentrified. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. So she, uh, excuse me, she um, said, okay, we'll go for it. And she let me free. Nice. Free reign to go. And we did. And we wanted to do it in a documentary style, give it a documentary style treatment. But we just hang out. There's no set time when we yeah. had to be finished. And so what ran the paper on Monday was a culmination of all that. Wow. You know, um, Billy Calzada with um, uh, the photos are outstanding. Yeah. It's art. Every time I find out he's the photographer for a story I'm doing it, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even have to like be concerned. I'm like, this guy's gonna do his thing as usual. Yes, sir. So I had which makes me step up my game as a writer. It's like, oh man, like this guy's gonna put out some great work, which means Yes. I need words to complement this beautiful art. You hit it. You nailed it. Because that's what we think too, because he's gonna the photographers at the Express News, um nine times out of ten, they're gonna launch you to the front page just by their you know, their images. Yeah. And so then the onus is on you. You're like, oh, man, I got to ma- I have to match that, you know, you know, conjure up some words to match this art, you know. But when you're working together with uh, the photojournalists here, man, I, uh, it is a great experience because it is a team concept. Oh, yeah. Seriously, you know. It doesn't matter, like, when I was an intern, not an intern, but an EA editorial assistant. Yeah. I was just here going to school, you know, and then this was my part-time job. That's when you were at SAC, right? I was at San Antonio College back in 1997. Nice. <laughs> you know? And when I, Tim Duncan was drafted. Right. For you youngins that don't know. And I started here uh, the first time was 1998. But I didn't start writing for the Express News. So they, they laid off all the uh, editorial assistants. And then they converted those temporary positions, like seven into two. Wow. And then uh, when um, Dee Dixon... Yeah. When Dee Dixon, uh, when she left, um, she got one of the positions. She left, and she called me. And she said, hey, I'm leaving. You may want to go put in for that job. Yeah. And this was in uh, March of 1998. Nice. 99. Sorry, 99. 99. 99. And, man, I got I was in school at the time. I was in the class. And as soon as that, it was over at SAC. And it was at the visual, the VATCO over there. And I jumped yeah. in my car. <laughs> I, drove <laughs> down, I drove down here. And I remember, you know, back then they didn't have, you could sign in and, you know, you call up and they would say, just send them, up, send them up. Wow. And I came in and then um, I was hired on the spot by Craig Thomason, you know, the city editor. And I don't know that, that you could have that happen today. You have to go through all the red tape. Yeah. But he hired me on the spot because he had known me from, Working with him previously. Yeah, you 80s. Right? He's like, yeah, man, it's Vince. And I was like, wow, that was it. He said, let's go to HR, you know. Damn, you I know? wish it were that easy now. <laughs> right? So, you know, but when I came in, man. Um, Just waiting for Mark to say that. Oh, that's Jose. Give it time. Go to, go to HR. <laughs> <laughs> give it time, man, you know. But it was it was a, it was a trip. So that's how I got in, you wow. know. And um, I don't know that I answered your question, but. 
I've taken us in a different direction. No, no it's cool. I'm um, glad you mentioned the Ranger. That's where you got your start. Yes, sir. But I remember you were an illustrator, though. Yes. You were not a writer. No, no, man. And, and uh, so the story behind that is, again, I was at the VATC, the Visual Arts Technical Center, I think, at SAC, at San Antonio yeah. College. And it was a Monday. And uh, at the last class of the day on the second floor, and you know, I was in the classroom on the second floor, came out of the room, took a right, and it was a cork board. I don't know if they still have those these days. Yeah. With all the index cards of people looking for people or, you know, wanted or my dog is missing and all this stuff. Yeah. And it was an index card. And it said, wanted, editorial cartoonist, contact, San Antonio College Journalism Department, Mr. Hunt had his number. So I called it. Well, first I called my wife. Because <laughs> you had to imagine, okay, I've been in the military for 22 years, right? Yeah. And at the point, at that time, my dream was to be just become an illustrator Yeah. through all those years. So I'm, I'm working my gig. I'm getting there. But I didn't, I was like, man, you know, I was still hesitant. Yeah. And that's, you know, now, you know, we talk, we always get caught up, man, because we hold ourselves back. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about just going to my car. I wasn't going to call her, but I said, let me call my wife. I called her. I said, hey, there's this index card up here on the, on the board. You think I should call it? She's like, yeah, call it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I called it. He said, yeah, come on over. So I came over, and back in the day, we didn't have drives or flash drives or anything. Yeah. I had all my little samples in the book, nice. <laughs> a little book, you know, laminated. And uh, Mr. Hunt said, well, and most of my stuff was like graphic novel stuff, yeah. you know, superhero, you know stuff like that. He said, we don't have a need for that. But, you know, he said, we can show you some samples of what we're looking for. Yeah. He said, and looking at what you have, you can get started. Wow. So then what happened was I got introduced to the person that you know very well. Trisha? Yes. Oh, Trisha. <laughs> Trisha. Was Buhorn. it Bu- Buhorn? Right. So she sat me down at a distraction table in the corner and she taught me probably the most important thing that I that push your chair in <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Trish yeah no uh, control Z man oh my gosh command, yes. yeah command Z man, yes you know? I mean because we were using apples yeah and believe me I made my share of mistakes <laughs> <laughs> and she's like undo 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 yeah but and then uh, save you know those two commands I was set. She saved my hard drive. So Did she? Shout out to her. Yeah, so so that's how I got started with the Ranger. I came on board as editorial uh, cartoonist. Nice. And then you, how did you get your first writing assignment? I remember you telling the story six years ago. And I, at the Ranger yeah. or here? Oh, at the at the Ranger. Um, wow, at the Ranger it was, oh, it was uh, for uh, Veterans Day. That's what it was. It, it was an editorial. And I was like, because I had, you know, Veterans Day came and, you know, at the Ranger, man, they it didn't matter what job you had. Yeah. You know, they would tap you to write something. And it was really a great move on their part. But for me, so I wrote this, you know, editorial about Veterans Day and the importance of, you know, serving the military and things like that and what it meant to me. And then one of the uh, Miss Odom, Marianne Odom. Really, yeah, another and, legend. You know, right? And she said, hey, um, nice editorial. Um a little long, says you write long, but yeah. we can we can help you. And I didn't know what she meant by that because I was an editorial cartoonist. Yeah, 
Then at the end of the semester, I almost just walked out I, because I had no idea that I could come back. And she said, um, I ran into her as I was leaving, going out the door. Yeah. And she's like, hey, you know, um, we'll see you next semester, right? I'm like, uh, I, I can come back? She says, of course, we want you to come back. I had no concept of yeah. how things worked. And I came back the second time and then um, talked to different folks, got scholarships. Nice. Man, I mean, I was, you know, I was on the GI Bill anyway. Yeah. And um, so I was very fortunate, man. I was very, very fortunate, uh, you know. And um, that next semester is how I got connected with Kim Fox, who was here at San Antonio Express News. And it was at an SPJ convention. Wow. With Ben Olivo, Chris Quinn. Shout out, Ben. And myself. And we were all helping her move boxes, you know, for the conference and stuff on a Saturday. Yeah. And, again, something about at the end of the day, man. And this also ties into when we're interviewing. Yeah. You know how you linger? Well, mm-hmm. it just, I don't know if this is tied into it, but it was the end of the day. We were getting ready to go, and Kim was sitting out in the lobby on the couch. She's like, hey, guys, you know, sit down. So Chris, Ben, and I sat down, and she's like, what are you guys planning to do? What do you, what do you want to do? So we're talking to her about, it, you know. Chris was the editor, and Ben was like this killer reporter, man. Yeah. <laughs> even at even back then, and he was a young buck at that time. Oh too. man, he was rough. He would chase you down, man. And Chris too. Yeah. And so, as far as me, I just had a real strong passion for drawing. And so we told her. She said, well, "Why don't you guys come and see me next week?" And she gave us her card. I'm like, still like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And then we came to see her. She took us on a tour of like the graphics department. Yeah. Back in the day. The graphics department was on the third floor. Wow. Took us to sports. She, taught, she gave us a tour of the whole place. And then she said, if you're interested, we have some temporary editorial assistant positions open. Yeah. If you'd like to apply for them. Shucks, man. <laughs> 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 we all three applied. We all got accepted. And that really helped with the little stipend that we got yeah. from the Ranger, from mm-hmm. SAC. And then we were getting this money as temps. And then I had my GI Bill. So things were starting to look up. Yeah. So um, I started to get a good feel of how things work because I worked at, it's almost like the con on Star Trek, you know. Yeah. Like, and you sit there, you got the editor mm-hmm. right behind you, you sit in the middle, and then you face everybody coming in the newsroom. Yeah. And then you're sitting right there by the photo editor, and then the reporters are all around you. Man, it was like this just, every day you just soaked up all this information, you know. Um, who are the people that you just went for you went to for advice for who when you were in EA like was there anybody you went to for advice or oh okay so you know man I was okay so one of the first people besides uh, Kim Fox who hired, and Craig Thomason mm-hmm. um, my mentor her name is Lorna Stafford one uh-huh. of my mentors nice and um, I was EA and what they would do is they would give <coughs> us the obits to write yeah you know, we write the obits and the briefs. So I had written the obit, and I was at SAC working on the Ranger, and, I, and they said, hey, Vince, you got a phone call. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, so I go and get the phone, and it's Lorna Stafford. She's editing my obit. I'm like, why is she calling me, <laughs> you know? But she said, hey, I just had a quick question about this phrase here. Nobody ever called me. A lot of times they just change it and move on. Yeah. But that kind of, you know, got my attention, like, wow, she took the time to call me, and I'm not even a reporter. Yeah. You know, and that really impressed me. 
And then later on, I ended up um, working with her Yeah. and neighbors. Um, they had some folks that um, had carpal tunnel issues. Mm-hmm. I think it was two of them. And they needed someone to work the summer. And she worked it out where I could come up and freelance for them. Wow. So I did that for the summer. And so I learned a lot from learn, from Lauren. What year was that? Uh, that would have been 2000 or 2001. Mm. I was just about don't, to start first do grade. Do See, as soon as you said it, I knew I, I do was this being thing with Vince up. where I know. I was being, <laughs> you, you lob it up and I just dump it. I know. It. It's low fruit. It's low line like, fruit. Vince is a, is, a, is an older guy. He's an older guy. but I'm 62. He, look, he looks very young, though. I'm 62 years old, man. Like, I remember when he first told me his age, I was freaking out. Like, what? Nah, this guy is lying. You know, we, we go out and we ask everybody and their mother their age, mm-hmm. right? I can't, and at one, I, I don't care. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not a problem. But, you know, I just don't have any, I'm like, yeah, I'm 62, you know? And I uh, I don't have any shame on it, you know? Yeah. I mean, we earn these lines if there we have go. them, you know? I mean, you know, <laughs> and that's life, man. And But anyway. Yeah, that uh, so Lorna Stafford was one of my my first mentors. Awesome. Um, your days in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about. Let's go back to your where you grew up. Right. You were a military brat yourself. I was. I was, man. So who was in the military? Your mom or your dad? Father. Father. Yeah. John W. Davis. That was man. Uh, you know, my family's from the South. Okay. So my father's from Smith Station, Alabama. Smith Station, Alabama. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, was, I was today years old when I realized that town existed. Right. Wow. <laughs> Smith Station outside of Phoenix City, Alabama. It was a little, like, I don't know if it's a whistle stop, but I think it is. Yeah. And then my mother was, um, her, my great-grandfather, my great-grandmother raised my mother. Um, and he was in the Army. Wow. And he was an Army War War, he's a World War II veteran, Korean War veteran. Um, Man, your mom's just like around military, right? So it was like natural. Her son, her husband, her right? Great grand or her grandparents? That's, yeah, that's awesome. You know, um, so yeah, they raised her, and man, you know, um, so I was very fortunate. Yeah. So I grew up with great grandparents. I mean, from I came to their home from the hospital <laughs> at Martin Army uh, Hospital out in Fort Benning, Georgia. Mm-hmm. To Colorado Street in Columbus, Georgia, and grew up. I mean, I was there. Bam, and, and I have the photos. I look at the photos. I'm like, good night. You know, all black and white. You know, the Dennis and Menace suspenders. Yeah, the whole night. Uh, I was bad. I was bad. Do you have a little uh, little slingshot? No, I didn't have a slingshot, man. Uh, what? That? You know, um, we, <laughs> we 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 were some. It was a rough. We were we were we were a rough bunch. Little how long, kids. How long did you live there for? So we lived there from the time I was about six years old. To about yeah, six years old. Okay. And then we ended up going to uh, South Dakota, Rapid City. South Dakota. South Dakota. <laughs> what? The it heck? wasn't even North Dakota first. It was South Dakota. Wow. What was that like? You know, you we they we used to live at what they call the Nike sites, and I was like, you know, I was like Nike sites. Nike I, I think, sites. Yeah. And we're like, what's it's out like in the the Badlands out in the on you know South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Well, I never could figure it out till I got in the Air Force and the Nike sites is like that's for the missiles, the Nike missiles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean I could be wrong, but that's what I always thought. I wonder if that they talk about the Nike missiles out there, man. What the heck? <laughs> Silos. But that's just me. I don't know for sure. Um 
but yeah, then that was a trip. But so I, I've been very fortunate to go to different places. Yeah, South Dakota. Uh, where else? Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, don't talk about Omaha, man. Omaha. No, that's where I know you from because I remember yeah. when I did my my project for Jessica Belasco's class at yeah. SAC five years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it was spring 2014. I still remember, and you had your, I had your, um, your business card stapled to the front. Okay. She gave me an A. Is it? Yeah. Hey, well, that's you, man. That's I think you. that was ex- Express News bias, but I don't care. <laughs> I still got an A. <laughs> but no, you know, we from from Rapid City, we went to Germany mm-hmm. for three years, and then we came to San Antonio to Lackland. Yeah. Well, it was Kelly. My father was stationed at Kelly. Okay. Back in the day. But we lived behind the, um, off of Five Palms. Yeah. In Medina Road. We lived in that little sector there from 67 to 69. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Omaha. We're like, Omaha, you know. And we stayed there. For, I stayed there eight years before I went to the military. Wow. Um, how do you adapt to that kind of life, just moving around all the, all the time? You like know, not just moving, like, right. you're not moving down the road, you're moving states, countries at times. Right. Well, you know, the, the, the thing with making friends, is, you know, as kids, you just kind of adapt to it. We, yeah. we always did. We never, you get attached to your friends and stuff, but, you know, when you get those orders, they say, hey, we're moving. You're like, okay, and you, you switch your mindset, you know, and you get ready. Okay, we shut this down and wow. get ready for the next thing. But the part about Omaha was, you know, I was used to living with, Air Force, the Brats, other yeah. dependents. I went to Omaha and I went to Northside and far from the base. Yeah. So it was the first time I had really lived in a truly black neighborhood, you know. Wow. Around, you know, there's all black schools and, you know, and it took a little different because, I mean, they looking at me like, you know, yeah. uh, coming from San Antonio, I had to learn to adapt mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, how to act, you know, how to protect your lunch, how to, you know, how to dodge the bullies and all that stuff like that, um, which back in the day was just, it, it's a little bit terrifying when, you know, the bully's in your face and, you, and you're like, you got bad breath, man, come on, you know, that's enough, <laughs> you know. And, then, you know, and all that, plus these cats were like drop back from two or three grades, man. You're oh in sixth gosh. grade and you're like, this cat's got mustaches and stuff. You know. <laughs> this guy drove to school. What the hell? Right. But, you know, the thing is, um, I wouldn't have traded for yeah. anything. I mean, it, w- it was rough for us because we were kids going from 6th to 7th grade and trying to figure out, you know, one, how to dodge these dudes. Yeah. You know, and then you get your education. Then walking home, we had to figure out, okay, which way am I going to walk? Yeah. Because this bully lives here. This bully li- You know, and it doesn't seem like anything now, but as a kid, your mentality is like, man, this is your world. This is like, it could be the end of your world. Yeah. One false step. And then the eighth grade, what happened is we started growing up. Yeah. And so we started looking them in the eye. Things started to change. Yeah. You know. But I wouldn't change any of that, man. I um, were you drawing at this time? Yeah, okay. So, I, you know, I always, I always wanted to draw. Yeah. But I couldn't draw. And so. Same. Right? So I had a friend named Warrior Richardson, man. And Warrior used to make these little good typewriting paper, and he made comics. Nice. And he and we and before school would all sit down, and he did have these like Star Trek like comics, and he used to draw like the Black Panther and Thor and yeah. Daredevil and Silver Surfer. You draw so oh man, we, we were 
like, whoa, man. So one day I asked him, you know, just off the cuff, say, hey, warrior man, I said, could you draw me, you know, Captain America, you know, he's like, no, man, draw it yourself. I said, I can't draw. <laughs> draw it yourself? Yeah, he's like, man, he's like, draw it yourself, you know. I mean, I was like, I can't draw, man. He said, draw. He said, man, we'll learn. Yeah. I said, all right, I will. And I had them, I went to the library, and I was stacked up in all the how-to draw books. And just from one, like step one, for the face, draw an oval. Step two, you know, find the middle. Step three, you know. And I just practice, practice, practice. But the way I learned how to draw, really, I would, you know, back in the, I don't know if they still do it, they have the tissue paper and the shoe boxes. Yeah. I would tape them down on the floor or anchor them on the floor over a comet, and I'd trace. Trace it. i trace it, man. I, and so all my, I would stay up all night tracing, and I had taped all these <laughs> crinkled, <laughs> all these, these crinkled tissue paper, you know, pictures on the wall. My mother was like, Stay out of my shoeboxes, man, you know? <laughs> you know I, I would just go in, and, and before you could go and buy tracing paper, like a yeah. tablet, that's what I did. That's how I, and so I learned the form, you know, and how to draw a skeleton and stuff like that. Wow. You know, action figures, action lines, all that stuff, you know. So I still draw. Um, you ever think about making a comic? You know, I, at some point down the line, man, maybe a graphic novel or something. Yeah. You know, I just, you know... I just need to sit down and just sit at the table, you know, because right now I just get sketchbooks and I just pen and ink it. Yeah. Just to make myself, because with pencil you can erase and all that, but the pen is permanent. So. I remember you drew a wrestler one time. It was like, I think it was during the UJW, mm-hmm. um, the Urban Journalism Workshop in 2013. You had drew, um, I think it was a wrestler, or it was like some something with a mask. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like, remember, but. Or it might just be the wrestling nerd in me thinking it was a wrestler. And it might have been something else. But you drew it like really. I saw you doodling. And I'm like, he can draw? <laughs> and that's when you told me the story about, you know, you being an illustrator and whatnot. So I thought that was really cool. I was like, man, Vince can draw. That's, that's really awesome. Um, is that how you kill time sometimes? Yeah, it's, it, it really relaxes me, man. I mean, back in the day, I would stay up late. And especially, especially in the summertime, mm-hmm. and open up the window, let that breeze come in, yeah. you know, because Omaha is not really that hot in the summer. And I would sit down, man, and turn on FM radio. Yeah. I was good to go. What you would you know? listen to? <sighs> See, there you go. Okay. So back in the, you know, back then, the Soul, I don't know, I think the Soul Station in Omaha was going, kicking at that time, because it's off and on, off and yeah. on. But, you know, late at night, man, you hear Marvin Gaye. Nice. You know, what's going on? Um, you hear Bobby Womack, you know. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, Bobby Womack, Under Al Green. Street. Hey, that's right, that's right? That's a great song. It was always James Brown. James you Brown. Know. Um, but then, as it went on, um, the real key period for us was like, what, uh, Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, and the Isley Brothers. Yeah. Three plus three. <laughs> Kendrick put me onto them. Did he? Yeah, because um, Two Pimp Butterfly. Yeah. Oh, don't you start talking about Kendrick? That's my. That's probably my favorite <laughs> album, man. In the last five years or so, man. I mean, that's. I mean, I was watching Tonight Show. And I didn't. I tell you the truth. I didn't know who Kendrick Perkins was. I didn't. Lamar. So, Lamar. Sorry. He said Perkins. We were talking about basketball. 
I'm old, man. <laughs> <laughs> you get a pass, Vince, because I know you really love Kendrick. No, I, I do, and so it really does. Kendrick Lamar, they they they, Me they mentioned his name, and I was sitting in the chair, and when he came out with his live set, and did King Kunta. Oh man, it, I think it was a medley, but I remember King Kunta, and I Everybody was like, "Everybody wanted to cut the legs off." I was. I, I remember just sitting in my mouth open, like, "What in the? What is this?" Yeah. And then the, you know, the response from the two singers back and forth, like almost like church. I'm like, "What?" The? And the next day, man, I started downloading my man, like nobody's business. And even now, he's on my. I got it on my phone, man. You know, but. What was your favorite song from that album? Uh, probably King Kunta. Really? Yeah. I. I mean. That's a great song. You know. Um, I have to look on and see. But yeah, no, that one, because I mean, I have I mean, it on. Look, I don't, I don't you, mind. You know. But um, but yeah, man, um, that's what we used to listen to, you know. Um, doobies. You know, a lot of cats like. Doobies. Doobie Brothers, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My I'm man. sorry. I mean, because we were like, well, I mean, we listened to everything. It was a time, you know, where you hear Benny and the Jets. You hear Doobie Brothers, right? And then you got like Sly and the Family Stone. I mean, all this music, man. And and we would listen to it on FM. Yeah. And you have the album cuts play. Oh, you in heaven, man. You know, play the whole album, the whole side. And for us back then, because of the, everything was kind of limited. It's not like easy yeah, access like now. I'm so fortunate to be in this oh, generation man. where Brother. I can find, I can find like people who talk about the golden era of the 90s. No, I'll talk about a, a, an album or a project from the 90s, and they're like, I don't know what that was. And it's because they didn't have that much access. It's just radio, TV. Oh, my gosh, man. You would, you would, I mean, you would literally just, like, kind of hurt. If you wanted to hear a cut back in the day, if you wanted to hear a cut, and they would play the 45, you can't, the album hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. So all you have is a 45 to sit on for weeks <laughs> oh until God. they drop the album. And so then you would have to call a DJ to request, put the request in for oh, the song, right? right? Yes. So then you have to wait for the DJ to play the song and you have to listen to everything else. And you'd be like, oh, you're killing me, man. Play my song, you know? And that was the thing back then, man. But now, believe me, I love this time. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first album you ever bought? I heard you ask somebody else this, and I was trying to think. That's one of my favorite questions to ask, because I'm, I'm uh, always fascinated by it. I'm you know, wow. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think it may have been um, 360 Degrees of Billy Paul. Mm. with, you know, me and Mrs. Jones. And the sad part is, you buy the album, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is probably, but you buy the album as a Christmas present with somebody else, and <laughs> you want it for yourself. Yeah. You're like, that's what I did. I bought it for my father. He didn't care about Billy Paul, but yeah. I wanted the album. But Oh, man. It's like, yeah, one of those moves, man, you know. But <laughs> it's like, you know, hey, we all can enjoy it, you know. Like yeah right. <laughs> um, have you ever purchased a hip hop album? Not an album. I I just download. Just like on online. Yeah. yeah yeah. I mean, I mean a lot. Of, I have Jay Z. I have some Jay Z. I have some Kanye. Um, Kendrick Lamar. Um, Common. 
Common. Like some Common, man. You just released a new album. Yeah, I know. I know I haven't done it. I haven't listened anything. to it either, but... But, and um, I know you <laughs> have a love-hate with J. Cole. See, my thing with J. Cole is I love, I love him. Yeah, I love J. Cole. I know. Cole. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I J. Cole you. was a big part of my, my teenage years, my, at least in high school. Yeah. Because I discovered him through Kanye, actually. Okay. So Kanye would do this thing called um, Good Fridays. So every Friday he would release a new song. Okay. Um, and it, it it was basically um, building up to his Mike Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album. Mm. And he dropped Christmas in Harlem, which is a great song. He dro- released to Looking for Trouble, and that's the song that had J. Cole in it. But it's Kanye, Saha the Prince, Big Sean, and then J. Cole ends it. And I remember... My high school friends talking about J. Cole. I'm like, who's J? I thought it was J. Cole at first. Like, Cole? Gotcha. It's like, who is this guy? Everyone keeps talking about him. And then Kanye drops Good Fridays. And I'm like, this is J. Cole. Oh, my God. This guy's amazing. Because he ends the song with, it's ironic that you've been sleeping on the one that you've been dreaming about. And I'm like, damn. Dude. That's a dope line right yeah. there. Yeah. So I was like, I got to download this guy's <laughs> album. Or his mixtapes. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded the Come Up. The warm up and Friday Night Lights. I think for me, he still his first album was like, eh, it was it was cool, right? It was good for its its time. His second album was good, but it still didn't blow me away. Still. And then Forest Hills Drive dropped, and I'm like, oh, this is this okay. This is the music that he's supposed to be releasing. Forest Hills Drive was a great album, but then he drops um, For Your Eyes Only, and I was super underwhelmed. And I think because I, I I was like a fan, not a day one fan, because I became a fan in 2010. Okay. So almost, almost a decade. But people who, I think fans ruin music for other people. Yeah. How's so that? someone releases something subpar and they call it a classic and it just ruins them. It. It's like, it's not. And then when people say, well, you had to have a certain level of intelligence to understand <laughs> this person's <laughs> album. And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, I was understanding J. Cole's bars as a teenager. I was like, That's you know, your opinion, man. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. me getting older and I want something more sophisticated. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I know that just from listening to talks we've had yeah. and you dropped it on him. But the thing I was to say about J. Cole is I really wasn't familiar with him yeah. until the documentary, one of the first doc- documentary he did where they went to his house and mm. you know, all that, you know. That's where Voice Hills, yeah. Okay. So that's... I did. I, I, you know, the first time I was introduced to him. Yeah, um, but, but I, I, I still love his music. I, I love his features. Like when he kills a feature, I'm like, why can't you do this consistently? Eh, you know, just you know. But yeah, I have. So I don't really have any J Cole downloaded, but I have like, like say, Common and um, some other folks, just individuals. Yeah, like Tribe Called Quest. And, oh, I love Tribe Called Quest. Um, Rest in peace, Five Dog. Right, and of course the Roots. You know, oh, the, roots. the roots is, you know. So, I mean, there's just individual. The roots could be a whole podcast in itself. Right? You know, um, the roots, who else? Um, but, you know, the, and it, it it started, you know, with the sampling. You know, there's a lot of songs that sampled old RB hits or funk yeah. hits, whatever. I would gravitate toward those. But then with Jay-Z and other people, <clears throat> like, you know, with their own original, you know, beats and stuff. I don't know, it just kind of grew, you know. Because yeah. Jay-Z, man, I, I, you know, dude's a poet, man. I mean, yeah. his lyrics, you're like, what did he say? You know? 
And the reason I, that I love, um, you know, a lot of rappers and their lyrics is um, it's a source for us as writers, yeah. as reporters, man. I mean, I sit down and you're trying to think of something like, what, what can I tap into, what this mood or I'm trying to evoke or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, how to write this. And then these guys, you know, sometimes I'll be listening. Like a lot of times when I'm writing here in the office, I got my, I'm plugged up. I'm listening, you know. Yeah. And people are like, how can you write with all that music, you know? Some of it's by uh, design. It's like, hey, what am I trying to do here, you know? I'm listening to something that's like, what's going on? Yeah. You know? And other times, like on the flip side, um, it may be Luther, Luther Vandross, you know? Yeah. I mean, or, you know, or is it some jazz, you know? Uh, um, and then just individual songs. Like, I have a playlist. It's just for... I remember you showed me when yeah. I did my documentary on you a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I learned that from the Diversity Institute, the Freedom Forum Diversity Institute, mm-hmm. which I went to for three months nice. up in um, at Vanderbilt in Nashville. And that's one of the things that our, our instructor, Robbie Morganfield, he taught us, you know. Wow. And it, it's, it works. You know, like there's some days where you just bomb, you just don't, I mean, I don't have a spark. I don't, Yeah. I need to get started. And then, um, or maybe you're having some issues. Yeah. You know, personal or f- professional. And he had us all make um, a CD. Yeah. Back in the day when you burned CDs. Yeah, I love those, <laughs> man. And so we each had two songs that we would pick. One that lifted us up and one that made us reflect. Mm. And so um, What's Going On was my song to reflect. And then Never Too Much by Luther was uh, the song that lifted me up. Yeah. beat you know so then he burned each you know all of our entries all of our choices on one CD and gave it to us and sent us out back to work you know uh, to our newspapers and for the first year so I would always keep it nearby and um, and play those songs you know I mean and it reminded me of my classmates yeah you know and stuff and what they were going through and because sometimes you need that you know no I know exactly what you mean like when I covered a march two years when I was with Follow Media. Mm-hmm. I covered a march, and I had a it was a pretty quick deadline, and I was like, oh, "What do I listen to?" Mm-hmm. So I started playing Public Enemy. Yeah, perfect. I was like, "Oh man, this you know, this is perfect." So it inspired me to to write the story. Um, so that made my life easier for that day. And then when I wrote the handball story two years ago, uh, classic. Yeah, I started People, playing. If you, I know he's writing. A, I'm sorry. Am I spoiler alert? No, no, no. Okay. Go for it. All right. <laughs> I know you're working on a, you know, the story for the Express News, but the story you wrote on your blog, and you know, we had talked about it. I was reading your stories on your blog, and I ran across that story, and it's like, good night. You know, <laughs> I mean, not that you hadn't arrived, but. You know, this is where I think you really, this is like Jose. I mean, in, you know, narrative form, I was like, wow, man. Yeah. One, I was proud because you had, uh, you were writing about something that um, we drove by every, you know, if we went to the West Side, we drove by, you know. Yeah. Um, But what I love about what you do with the stories that on your blog and now is that uh, you're putting a spotlight on areas that most folks, you know, just drive by, 
you know, or don't pay attention to. Yeah. But these are vital areas, and so kudos to you. No, I was telling, um, who was I telling? I think it was Krista on her podcast, or her episode with me, mm-hmm. that that's where you had said, um, dang, I always tell this story. Oh, you had said that um, I found my voice and to continue my stride. And that was like monumental for me as a writer because I was trying to figure out what my voice was. Oh, my God. Because at times I would I would look at my stories and I'm mm-hmm. like, I sound different on this one. Or why do I sound different on this one? And um, one of my, my friends, she actually inspired me to start my own blog. Because she's not a, a writer. She, mm-hmm. she does PR. Okay. So when she started her own blog and she was posting stuff out like crazy and I was like, Man, if she can do this, why can't I do this? If this is going to be, you know, I'm going to make a living off of this. Right. So um, I started my blog in fall of 2016, and that was, I think that was my fourth story. The handball story? Yeah, because the first one was October 3rd. I still remember that one. And then the second one, I believe, was, the second one was either the um, the boxing gym. Okay. Um, so that's about a street gym. Mm-hmm. And I told the story at how I wanted to join boxing as an 11-year-old, right? I was 11. Or, yeah, a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. No. No, I was 11 because I was born 95, so it was 11 years, yeah. So it was 10 years later after that experience of me, my dad driving me down Sasamora, and, you know, I'm passing by these streets. You know, I pass by Buena Vista, pass by Commerce, mm-hmm. pass by Martin. Then it gets a popular street, and I'm like... Turn the car on. I don't want to do boxing anymore. <laughs> so I punked out. And, um, you know, I passed by that gym again and t- 10 years afterwards. And mm-hmm. I'm taking a picture. And there's this guy in a wheelchair mm-hmm. just sitting there. He has his leg amputated. And I'm taking a picture of myself. And I see that he shows up in the in the background. And I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. I was like, whatever. I'm not going to mind him. So um, he calls me over as I'm putting my tripod up. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like. What's this about? Mm-hmm. Go across the street. He introduces himself. His name's Mario. Uh, he's one of the boxing coaches there. Oh, I'm okay. like, holy shit! You're a boxing coach, and mm-hmm. you know you're you have like a whole leg missing. Right. It's incredible. So I kind of told him the the story a bit. Like, oh yeah, I just wanted to take pictures. This place means a lot to me because I used to pass by it as a kid, and I remember I wanted to join as a kid. I you know I punked out. He's like, well, come inside. Come take some pictures if you want. You know, come hang out with us. I was like, all right, go for it. Let's, you know, let's 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 experience this and walk in and suit all these posters. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like you see these old, you know, posters that are promoting fights, big fights locally. Right. Um, it was cool. And then you know, I was looking around. I'm like, man. Like, Where's the where's the broom where they start punching the meat? Like, <laughs> like and it was funny. Prior to us walking into there's these three kids. They're like kind of acting up across mm-hmm. the street at this corner store. Mm-hmm. And he kind of yells at them. Oh wow. He gets after them like yo, <clears throat> like yo, chill out. Yeah. So um they end up walking into the gym. Wow. And he's like, Do you guys wanna, you know, do you guys wanna train? And they're, like, looking at each other. He's like, well, if you're going to train in here, he's like, you're going to have to, you know, you know, respect respect the gym. Okay. So sure enough, those kids start start training. 
and I was there the whole, the whole evening until like pretty much everyone left. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting. You had these young fighters, you had these old fighters. Um, so that was a fun story to tell. You know, I, I tied that into, you know, me punking out. Sure. To me experiencing this. And when I left, I honestly wanted to, <coughs> to train. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe one day, you know, I train and yeah, you, could, you heard something over there. <laughs> Um, but that, that was a fun story. Well, you know, the I think the thing about, that's great about being writers, you know, and reporters is the serendipity that happens, you know. When you, I mean, so you got your story, yeah. a good part of your story from just being there. Yeah. And that's that's half the battle, I think, of everything that we do is just being there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was lucky, I think about 2000... <laughs> 2000, sound like a dungeon. <laughs> uh, 2004, 2006 time period, man. They used to let us just go out and find stories. Wow. And back then we had a lot of photographers, so uh, I would link up with a photographer and we'd just ride around. And we would find stories. We never came back without finding a story. Yeah. And it wasn't like earth breaking or anything like that, just a story that happened in actual time while yeah. we were out and about. And um, it was a valuable time because, I mean, we would run up on people, everyone from homeless people to, you know, just a mother, a father and a daughter out fishing, you know, at over by Woodlawn, at uh, Woodlawn Lake, you know. And those little quiet stories, man, like, you know, some of the ones you do, I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's good practice. Yeah. But it also just, you know, it gets you that practice of just obser- observing and, listening, you know, uh, that you can take with you to those other stories, you know, that you may have to really, you know, glean some information, you know, the grief, those yeah. those stories of grief and stuff where you just have to, you know, have these folks trust that you're getting their story right. You know, a lot of that's just listening, you know. Uh, and I know that for you, you know, you've perfecting it as you've come along, and uh, because you can tell in the interv- in the story, yeah, by the information that you get in the quotes, people let the guard down. And I learned that I learned that from uh, an editor that used to work here named Arthur Santana. Arthur Santana, that's a cool name. And Arthur was he was a very um, uh, no nonsense individual, very nice. Yeah. Um, very helpful. Um, he would, you know, if he, you were writing something, he was editing it, he would he would call you or say, hey man, do you mind if I, you know, work on this a little bit or tweak this? He'd always ask, you know, it was always cool. And so when we had the hurricane, Katrina evacuees come in and they were at the warehouse over by Old Highway 90. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the, he he asked. He's one of the few editors. It was two editors that asked if they'd go out with us when we were covering these stories. He was yeah. one. He said, "Hey man, you mind if I, if I hang out with you?" I'm like, "No, oh, man. You know, like nobody else asked to go out." Yeah. And so Arthur used to always wear a black suit and a white shirt, black tie or red tie. You know, he was always clean. He's a photographer. No, it was the editor. Oh yeah, this right. one editor man, and uh, he's just cool people. You know. No nonsense, but, you know, very congenial. So we drive out 
we get back then we had the truck, so we drive out to the uh, out there by Old Highway 90, and we uh, pull up not right up at the gate because we could see there there was like this line of evacuees yeah on the gate on the fence. So Arthur's like, yo, just pull up here, man, behind this convenience store, this ice house. We we parked back there, and when we walked out, Arthur put on his sunglasses, <laughs> took his coat off. We've never seen him without his coat. Loosen his tie a little bit. We headed over to the fence. And so then I introduced, we introduced ourselves. And these guys, you know, man, these, these cats are like, they don't know where their relatives are. Yeah. They're missing, you know, they haven't, you know, they're worrying about their home, which is destroyed in New Orleans. A lot of range of emotions. And here we come, you know, but, you know, and we explained to them what we wanted to do. And so immediately, Right away, a lot of it was just rage and their feelings, you know, just of being the world's being ups, turned upside down. Yeah. So the first, so then I reached back for my notebook. And so Arthur was standing <coughs> to my left and he just kind of put his hand on mine and just stopped me from getting my notebook. And he didn't, they didn't know, but from, he did it from behind. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I just sat back, let the guy talk. This went on for about Oh, man, almost 20 minutes. This guy wow. just unleashing all this, you know, rage about what's happening in his life, and he can't find his family and all this. And then about 20 minutes in, Arthur just nodded like, okay, ask your questions, you know. So I learned, you know, when you arrive at the scene, to let the situation breathe, let the scenery, you know, see what's happening, assess, see where you're at, yeah. you know, before you just jump in and start writing. Because we, we didn't we weren't on a time limit. We, it wasn't a daily. Yeah. So I always tip my hat to Arthur Santana. Wow. I don't know where I learned that from. I just maybe it's just. And I then, don't know. Maybe I just how I was I was raised. Uh huh. There's there's times where I want to work on a story, but literally the first the first thing I'll do is I'll I'll visit. Yep. And you know I I won't record. I won't do anything. I'll just you know hang out. And then I'll tell him like, "Hey, I'm a reporter, blah blah." blah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna want to come back, right? You know, and interview you know this person. Um, and it, it it works, you know. In other situations, um, people already know who I am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. It's crazy. It's yeah. like, oh, like you know, you're so and so, and I read your story. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool seeing like the reputation that you build over over time. Uh, you know, you, you go to a, you know, there's a certain event going on. Oh, you know, that's Jose, you know, he, you know, talk to this person. Uh, I remember an activist that came up to me and, um, was like, man, I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm upset that follow isn't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. I really loved your writing. Right. Um, and I also love that you weren't really leaning one way or the other you were just you know doing your job and I really appreciated that because obviously this person leaned a certain way right um but they were still they still loved my work enough to be like you know what um this guy's you know he's doing his job and he does a great you know does it well right um so that was a really cool moment for me um I remember telling Yaneth who was on my last episode episode nine um about that in a in a private conversation that we had I was telling her because she knows the, the activist that told me that yeah so she's like man that's really cool that you know she told you that and 
I was telling her about you and just the things that I learned through you about, because um, I remember, was it two years ago? Was it two years ago? <clears throat> yeah, you came to talk to, um, to Musa. Okay. And you were talking about um, being a bridge. Um, yes, I don't know sir. if you remember that. Yes, sir. Can, can, you, can you talk about that? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of a lot of uh, people sharing their knowledge. Yeah. You know, over the years. Um, from Chet. I, I mean, and I know it's, it's not right to name drop, but there's just some people that are very pivotal <coughs> to where, you know, a lot of us have gone, have come to. Yeah. Um, but the Ranger from, you know, Irene, Abre- Irene Abrego and Trish, you know, yeah. Trisha Bighorn and Miss um, Odom, Mary- <laughs> Marianne Odom, um, who is probably the reason, and Mr. Hunt, Chet Hunt, um, but Miss Oldham is probably the reason I write features. Nice. Because she's the one that gave us permission. She's like, you you know, once we found out we could write like Isabel Wilkerson or Rick Bragg or Dan Barry, we're like, we can write like this? Yeah. You know, she's like, yeah. And uh, took her feature writing class and it's been uphill ever since because that's how um, I'm not a... Um, I mean, I, I just was drawn to narrative yeah. writing and feature writing. It's just, you know, why other people may be, you know, um, driven to digging files and stuff like that. I mean, I can do it, but I'd rather be out talking to people. See, yeah, same here. You like, know, that's our office. Our office is out away from mm-hmm. the office. And um, uh, so, uh, but I learned that also from Kim Fox, because um, the one who initially was was the one who got me here to yeah. the Express News. And she, you know, when I worked with her, she was like, <laughs> she would be talking to the reporters like, do you have a daily today? And they'd be like, no. She says, what are you working on? Are you working on the projects? I'm no. And why are you in the office? Go mm-hmm. out and find a story. Mind your sources, you know? And when I first uh, got back from the Diversity Institute, man, I just hit the street. Yeah. And we had a, we had a company vehicle, trucks, Jeeps. Nice. And I would just, I would head over to the west side or the east side and start knocking on doors, yeah. you know, and like, I, and drop my cards off. You know, I'm not saying that doesn't happen now, but I, you know, I have uh, the luxury to go out and do that. Yeah. I get paid to do it, you know. And, um, you know, Barry Robinson, I don't know if you, did you ever meet Barry Robinson? He was, he used mm-hmm. to be a sports editor here. No. Um, a long time ago with Harry Page and all those guys. Harry Page, yeah. rest in peace, right, man. Right? So he would always talk to us about, you know, put the reader there. Yeah. And not just with images and color, but ask the questions that the reader would ask if they were there. Mm-hmm. What knowledge, what do they? What does the reader need to know? He, you know, he or she's not there, but you are. So you have to be their advocate. The bridge, if you will. Yeah. So you know, I, you know, man, I, I just, this is a, this career field, man, is, you know, sometimes you wake up, you go like, man, you know, because it's more than just going out and talking to folks, you yeah. know what you do. I mean, these people trust you with their story. I know. You know, they they trust you like. It still they, baffles me to this day. Right. Like, but you tell them you're a reporter, and they 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 trust you. It's that's, that's nuts. But it's not the case everywhere. Yeah, you know, sure. but 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 Jose, you have to give you know, like I said, I give you, you give yourself some credit because um, you're not threatening. 
but you're not you're not posing either. Yeah. I'm so you you go in, I'm Jose. Yeah. This is me. You know? And people have a sense, they have a detector where they're like, okay, this dude's not real or whatever. You know, and maybe it may take you two attempts. Yeah. To if you really want to do the story, you know. But you but you've learned how to nudge or how to request or ask, you know. Yeah. And um then you have other people that vouch for you. Yeah. You know, so, you know, man, you're building that trust in, all over the San Antonio. But really, it's really great for the areas that don't have an advocate. Yeah. You know, because you're, you, you're sharing their voice, you know. I feel like it's harder now, especially, like, um, that's why I use where I'm from to my advantage. Yeah. Um, at first, I used to feel bad about it, and now I don't. It's like this is. I mean, this is who I am. I'm not lying about it. Like, yeah. You know, like if I'm on the west side, it's like, yeah. Oh, actually, you know, I grew up right here down the street. You know, kind of thing. And you know, oh, everyone's just like, oh, like you know, he's, you know, he's 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 from where we're from. Well, it's not a ruse. It's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, the thing is, <clears throat> you know, when you you're out in the neighborhood, you know, and you're out in the streets, and you're on your beat, yeah, and you're eating, in, you're eating in the neighborhood. You drive through the neighborhood on the way home or whatever. Yeah. Or sometimes you just drive through the neighborhood to see what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have the luxury to do that. And I'm, I say take advantage of it for folks that, you know, have a bent to do that. Yeah. And you are. And you're taking advantage of it. And San Antonio is all the better for it, man, because now we're not just seeing a certain sector. Yeah. You know, and we're not just seeing one sector in a bad light. There's more going on than just, you know, maybe some of the things that we see on the news or yeah. that we report. I mean, those things happen all over the city. And it's nice when people can open the paper and they can see about the barber. Yeah, the West Side Barber. You know, or the kids at the community center, like in your blog. Yeah. You know, um, it's nice to see that, hey, there's human stories here too. They're all over the city. They're not just in one zip code. You know, it would be a great episode for the podcast. What's that? And I was thinking about it earlier to this this morning uh-huh. <clears throat> when I was at work. Um, Mother Mundane. I feel like sitting her down. Now, who is that? Mother Mundane was the oh, lady who lives on MLK. MLK, yeah. Yeah. You should. Like, you should. You should. Because her story, man, I mean, <laughs> I think you should do that. That's a great idea. Yeah, like she grew up in... West Texas, uh-huh. picked cotton, moved to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, she would babysit in Alamo Heights. And one of the babysitters came home drunk and kicked her out and didn't even pay her. Wow. And she was talking about there was times where she was at a certain place, she had to use the restroom outside. I'm like, what the heck? See, those stories, man, I mean, you know, it's just like they talk about World War II veterans. Yeah. And then when they are passing away, you know very very fast rate but we have all these stories that um, aren't being told I mean and, and they're you know for us maybe some other people would hear the story and not think anything about it but for us we're like it whips our head like what you yeah. know and you know and, and when you get excited then we get excited yeah and you can tell in the writing and so um, you know um, just an update you you know about the um, so uh, yesterday was the inaugural launch of San Antonio Stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, which yeah, was... Yeah, congrats, man. Thank you. I mean, um, 
so I have to give, you know, big props to our editor, Mark DeVoyson, and, and uh, Noah Lopez, and then my editor, Diana Fuentes, for coming up with the idea and allowing me to share these stories, man, of these people, this diversity of people that we have here in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, can't tell them all, but um, we're going to do our best to, you know, have a good mix. Yeah. And so that's, you know, part of it, yeah. you know. Um, we've already got, like, I think there's, like, five or six done. Damn. You know? And I think we have enough through December 2nd. They run every Monday. Yeah. And Metro section. And so I'm I'm beyond blessed to to be able to have this. They call it a column. But I'm not, I, I'm just writing my stories, man. You know, just like we, you know, I'm just, uh, just trying to tell these folks stories the best way I can. Yeah. You know, we have a, window washer, a cat that washes the windows downtown, oh. and he's got his bucket, his squeegee, yeah. and everything. He's running around. We got the Paletta man. You know, oh, I saw days, that one. Right? I saw the photo of him. You know, and uh, we have a dude that was in the Army with Elvis. He took what? a picture with Elvis, man. We're like, what the heck? You know, I mean, and these are little stories, you know. Um, I mean, you know, uh, we have... Curly Mays, the legendary blues man who was in Pontos and Gringos. Oh, yeah. But he goes there every, you know, every day and wow. eats there, seven days a week, you know. So we're looking for these stories, people, to, and really want to kind of zero in on people, everyday yeah. people. Not, you know, they don't have to be aligned to a, a link to a nonprofit or association. We're really looking for the people, just, you know, it's interesting folks. People who have led interesting lives, you know, yeah. from five years old to ninety-five. There's this one guy, and I, and I'm so upset that I didn't get his information. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was back when I was still at Follow Media, and um, since they were located downtown, I would have my lunch downtown. So I went to Waterburger, saw this little old man, and you know he's taking forever to cross the street. He had yeah. a little bucket hat on, uh-huh. hunchback, and. Um, I walk inside Waterburger and he's in line and he's like, "Oh, you can go in front of me. I'm st- I'm still looking." And I was like, oh, "Okay, for sure." So I stand in front of him. The line split, and um, he ends up going ahead of me. Okay. He's like, "Do you want to go in front of me?" And I was like, "No, like that's your line. I'm in my line. Like, yeah. I decided to go this line. And, right. You know, you're you're getting help first. That's cool." Um, so he got his food and he's getting his soda, and as soon as he's pouring, like, pouring his soda. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of this. I took a picture of that. He sat down. I got my food. Like, hey, do you mind if I eat with you? He's like, no, no, sit down. And we chatted for a good hour. Okay. I still have it recorded on my phone, too. Um, this guy lived in extraordinary. He's been to 48 of the 50 states wow. in the U.S. Uh, he was probably early 80s, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Okay. I would have to go back to the Instagram post, but... We were just chatting in the the big, is it the Sears building in Chicago? I believe so. So he helped build that. Oh, wow. So he's telling stories about that. He was telling oh, all these. Oh, man, that's gold. He wants to. Well, he lives here in San Antonio by himself. Okay. And I said, oh, are you going to live here for the rest of your life? He's like, I'm going to die here. And I was like, oh, man. That's a great quote. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, no, you know. we Just the way know. he said, I want to die here. And I was like, because he said he loves it here. 
just walks around. Did you get, so you, you have his name and number and everything? No, I don't. And that's okay. why I'm upset with myself. Okay, hold on. I don't know if I... I don't have anything. I'm looking for something heavy to throw at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, my gosh. You know, it's it's a occupational hazard because I'll be out with my wife and stuff. And, you and you know, I'll see something. I know you, I know you probably do yeah. it too. You know, you see something or you hear somebody say something like, oh, man, that's a great quote. Yeah, exactly. You know? But you know the thing that it hasn't gotten me in trouble with <laughs> my editors but the one thing like you know the, everybody has an ism or thing they do right yeah and mine one of the things that I um, I look for and I try to do is not in my stories in a quote yeah I don't, I don't you know I mean and um, I used to use that and it was very lazy of me yeah I mean you know they had um, so um, our editor Mark the voice and brought in Steve, I think Padilla from Los Angeles Times. Oh, I saw that. DD texted me. <clears throat> um, I wasn't able to make it. Oh man! But he and I have the the tip. There's a list of she tips. Gave, she gave me. She that. gave you that. And I look at it. I mean, <clears throat> some of the stuff I've I've you know I've kind of picked up over the years, but some of yeah. it was new stuff. And uh, he talked about you know when do you think about your ending? And I said at the beginning of the story. Or you know when you start writing it at the very when you start writing your story, man, I'm thinking of the ending because it's like a roadmap to where you're going. Yeah, you know. But beyond that, um, sometimes it's just the code or the thing that you need to just, bam, you know. And one of the people that does a great job of that for me is Rick Bragg. Yeah, and I, you know, Dan Barry also, and I read those guys and I'm like, okay, I, you know, and I'm thinking. Sometimes I'm doing these stories, and hopefully I can play with it even more with the San Antonio stories. Yeah. You know, and I already have a few like that. Um, like the next week's is going to be a guy who is a, um, he's the Christmas curator. He's a curator of Christmas displays at all the Ronald McDonald houses. Oh, wow. So it's Christmas 24, 365 days a year. Yeah. And he has to maintain and make sure it's all, you know, clean and if anything, wear and tear, replace it and stuff, you yeah. know. And so I don't know if it's going to run like that. <laughs> wow. But I ended it, you know, not in the quote. I just, I try not to, and that's just to push push myself, you know. So. Um, yeah, I used to be like that. Or I use a quote. I'm like, oh, this is a great quote. This would be a great way to end it. And yeah. the more I started to read other people's work, it's like, maybe I should shy away from that and, you know. It's a great challenge myself. Yeah, it's a great tool to challenge yourself and put it in your own words, you know, in the tone of the story or what the, yeah. you know, in the spirit of the story. And um, I try to, I try to do, it. and and sometimes a quote is what you need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, no, and for sure. but, you know, but I try to push, you know, try to push myself, you know, to like, okay, how how should I end this, you know? But the one thing I don't, I don't know if you, you know, like some people say, well, I have writer's block. I'm like, I don't. I don't believe in writer's block mm -hmm. because Miss Odom was the one that's like, there's no such thing as writer's block. You know, she said, if anything, just type out, find your best quote and put that, type that on the screen mm -hmm. and then build around it, you know, yeah. just to get yourself going. You know, you don't have to live with that, you know, but like. I was always told you can't edit a blank page. <laughs> right. That's right, man. And but you have a, if you have a quote there and it may not be the quote. Yeah. But you start out with it. Then you can build around that, and I try. I just do five loose, you know, subpoint. I mean, I like doing a little outline. Yeah. But it's just in notes. But I use that to kind of get me going, 
you know, even if it just says beginning, ending, middle, background, you know. But I usually would put, you know, subheads. You I know. like to listen to, um, sometimes I just record random noises. Like if, say I'm at the handball court. Yeah. You know, I'll just, you know, put my phone there and just sit there and just, you know, listen to whatever I recorded. So right. if it's them, like, you know, trash talking to each other and yeah. them just like clowning each other and, right. um, you know, them arguing about a, a certain call, <laughs> um, that just like, okay, now I know how to tackle this story. That's great. Um, I, haven't, I don't have to use that. I have to take that and use that one. Yeah, I just sit there and I'll just listen to it on my headphones. I'm like, okay, now I know what I need to do with this. Same thing whenever I would cover marches. Yeah. Marches, I would get a lot of audio. Or if I have a lot of video, just listen to the, to the video mm-hmm. and you know, just hearing people um, chant or you know hearing people talk amongst each other. Right. Or there was one time where there was a guy, and I don't know because it was the same march that you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was the 2017 Women's March. This is the guy that was uh, the, yeah yeah he was in the Ford Explorer yeah yeah, yeah driving by yeah and yeah. he was like basically. Um, taunting them yes um and i got a photo of it and i got what he said too i'm yet he's right there at the right there um before you get to the the mexican restaurant which is now a funeral home oh is it yeah uh, was it angels angie's or yeah 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 okay right there on west martin okay right when you cross the bridge and yeah i mean to see it and uh because he's berating him he was he was, yeah. he was pretty because he was telling him Trump's your president and yeah. you have to deal with it kind of thing. And but he was very upset. He yeah. Was like, oh, you know, like, wow, watch him, you know. Um, <laughs> and the other guy, too, remember recently? The most recent Women's March at the cathedral? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When that he walked guy, through. The guy with the MAGA hat, he was just walking. He talking. walking through, yeah. I mean, I was like, yo, I don't know if you're going to make it. Yeah, so as soon as he, he got there, I was like, hey, um, uh, I'm, I'm a reporter at the Express News. Like, do you mind if I interview you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, yeah. Um, I was like, we can, you know, interview over there. Didn't and we? Yeah, we used. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. You used the, it. We ended up using we, the quote. For, we used what you put in. Yeah. yeah, for your story. Yeah, our story. Our story. <laughs> it's our story. Yeah, you know. Um, and then I interviewed that other girl who was kind of like exchanging words with him. And um, yeah. So it, that, that was really that was a really interesting exchange. Um, you never see things like that. Um, no, and and that's the beauty of. <clears throat> You know, this career field, man, is, you know, you're out and about. Um, one thing that I try to do, and sometimes, I mean, you have the time to do it, yeah. is to get to these spots early, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you the know. Wire. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on, now. Come on. You know, yeah, you know you Michael. Know. Michael, like, hey, you know. and, and it, But it, it's, it's true. And David Simon probably did that. Who knows on his right? Or, you Something know, he learned from the Baltimore Sun. Exactly right. So I mean, I try to get there early, and then I try to look away from where the, the, the crowd is. is. The crowd yeah. is. You know, exactly. I think everybody probably does that, but you you see so many things away from the action. Mm-hmm. Like there's something that really can tie in, and the one thing that I haven't done in a while, but um, I started my one of my isms is um, I don't care where you're at. Yeah. Well, for most part. You will, if there's music playing, there's usually a song or a lyric that would tie into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like I was at, uh, I was at, um, 
Is it still called Fatties? What's the What's it called now? The The burger place. It was Fatties, but now I think it's changed. Fatties. The guy you interviewed there with the the burger. Remember on the east side? Oh, Mark Outing. Yeah. Mark Outing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, they changed the name. Mark Outing. Oh yeah, it was Fatties Burger. Yeah, it was right. Fatties, right? So I was there talking to um, Taj Matthews, Reverend Black's uh, grandson. Yeah. And we were talking about political things going on and the shootings and the whole nine yard. And then what's going on played, you know. Wow. And I was like, I'm using that. (laughs) You know, it's just something. If you open up to everything around you, man, you, you know, you can try to offer full experience, you know. And that's what we try to do. And that's when we talk about your right to. Express, not to impress. Come on. Yeah. I remember. I still remember we were in your. We were in Vince's CRV, and we had left the, um, it was that old man who collects paintings. Remember we went to the, it was me, you, and um, Luther, the photographer. Where was? This was about a year ago, maybe, maybe. Collects paintings, where? He's the guy, he lives, he lives in the, his son's in Aggie. Um, him and his wife live in that old folks' neighborhood with the really nice houses. On which side, Tom? Honestly, don't remember. Oh, man, I'm trying to think. But we were in there, and he, he was showing us his paintings. He doesn't paint. Like, I guess he just buys them. Wow. Older wow. gentleman, and, like, his his wife gave us a tour of the little place. Was it on the west side? I don't remember, to be quite honest. It might have been, like, north side. Wow. I'll think of it after the podcast. But but, but I remember you, you – that's when you told me. I remember we were on um, – I think we we're exiting Laredo mm-hmm. on 35. And you had told me that. You said, because you were saying that you don't need that extra fat in your story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and who, who? So it was Chet Hunt. Chet Hunt. Mr. Hunt over at San Antonio College, because we had one of his classes. And yeah. He was a great inspiration because he would always share. He's the one that I learned about Rick Bragg from. Okay. And uh, up to that point, I didn't know. But once I, he you know, told me about him, I started. Googling him and yeah. um, looking up his name and printing out his stories. This is back in the day, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know who was Google back then, but I was on the internet. <laughs> You're on Yahoo on or Yahoo, AOL, right? <laughs> yeah, AOL. right. But you know, so Mr. Hunt, uh, I re- that just stuck out. He's yeah. the only right to express, not impress. So it's it's we're all in for it's about the story and the people, you know. And people can say, oh, it's cliche, whatever, but you know. There's a lot of folks, man, who will never see their name in the paper. Yeah. They will never, you know, it's not that, you know, maybe they remain, you know, part of the voiceless, you know. But there's no reason why they should. Yeah. That's why I'm really glad that we're able to get out and about with San Antonio stories or that you, your stories are not just status quo. They're not just, you know, and uh, they have some grit to them. Yeah, that's what Ben was telling. Every time I see Ben, Ben's like, it's like your stories are actually really great stories that you know people should be covering, and it's really cool when you know when you hear that from people like you, people like Ben. It's true. Um, you know, Shay would be like, "Oh, you know, that's a great story." Yeah. You know, because I told him, I remember I told him recently about my front page story, and he's like, "He's like, great, do it again." <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? And and that's that's he's right. You know, man. I mean, um, you put yourself out there. It's like one thing that you know journalists are very they you know. Especially the old school guys, yeah. men and women, they like they don't hand out praise, you know. Yeah, I know. You know, but 
they will give you a nod, and even when you know you say thank you to them, they're like, no, don't thank me. You, you know, you did that. You know, and I'll never forget um, the editor Craig Thomason. He had said, um, you know, uh, something had happened, and it was a you know a story got a good play, yeah, and everything, and there was some good response from it that I had done. And he's like, uh-uh. you know, I told him I was like thanking him. He's like, oh no, no, man. He said, you make your own luck. You know. Uh, but in his own way, telling me, you know, yeah. that the work that all of us had done to get to that point, yeah, you know, we had done that. You know, they just opened the door. And that's the thing that, that I was very fortunate and still a fortunate. Man, the doors, there were so many people that reached out to help us coming up. Yeah. You know, I mean, they would, hey, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? You know, uh, and it was never, I was lucky because I never really had doors shut in my face. Oh, nice. You know, I, 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 I can truthfully say that. Yeah. You know, and even for the people who may not have had my best interest in mind, it depended on what they were saying. It's like, okay, what do I need to add this to my arsenal, onto my toolbox? I can't be thinking about you. And it's only been, I can't even, it's been one or two people who... We just rubbed each other. I mean, that happened. That's life. Yeah. But their message, what they were teaching, I could use that, mm-hmm. you know. And so I've been very fortunate, man, here. I, I don't have any regrets. I don't have any, like I say, everybody's usually on board if you show that you have a willingness to, you know, to do your best. Yeah. You know, so... Like I said, very fortunate. And same with you, man. People are like, yo, man, get out the way. Here come Jose. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Man, it's, but it, it's it's been a fun journey. I'm already year nine. Is it? Yeah, because I started at 15. Um, started at Lee High School, then Roosevelt, where I met you. Oh, man. Uh, through Mr. Burger. Do you remember? I remember. <laughs> you, I remember what you said, man. I'm going to become a sports writer, you know? And it was like, wow, okay. But the mark, the mark you made, the impact you made was when we gave you our cards, because it was me and was it Helen Montoya? Or was it just me? No, it was just you that day, because I remember I had got to class late. Um, I was doing something. It was like something sports related. And I walked in and you had, you know, uh, students kind of like, it was so, like a horseshoe around you. Yeah, yeah. So you're just sitting there talking. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> and that's when she introduced me to you. I was like, oh, okay, cool. No, but even back then, you had, you know, you were like, yo, man, I'm going to be a sports writer. Yeah. And I was like, that. okay, cool. And we gave pass out our cards, and you were the only one that emailed and said, hey, can I come shadow you? Yeah. You know? And it came down. And then, oh, how, how many times did you shout? I don't, I don't know how many you I came don't even down. Know. Right? I can't even count anymore. But you would come down, man. Because I shouted you. The only other person that I shadowed that wasn't you mm-hmm. from Express News was probably David, and it was one time. Okay. And that was my sophomore year of college. Okay. We were at a high school football game, and other than that, it was just you. Um, so you've been down here many times. Yeah, man. I was here a lot. Right? Because, yeah, we came here for UJW a lot, and then... So UJW was what year? The last class was mine. It was 2013. Okay, so 2013. Oh, my man. So it was me, Katia, Catherine, Erin, Anthony. Um, I forgot the other two girls' names. Uh, but it was, it was, 
Is that when we, Michael Quintanilla took you into the studio? Yeah, we were in the studio. And was giving you tips on how to, yeah. how to buy and accessorize? Yeah, and he was telling us his stories. Uh, shout out Michael Quintanilla. Yes. Great indeed, guy. Indeed. Um, tells about his L.A. Times days. Tells about he's, 9-11. He's a premier uh, feature writer. Yeah. I mean, man, I, I, back in the day, I would print out his features to read, yeah. you know, because if anybody ever wrote to Express... That was Michael. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah so 2013? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was the our, our, the last UJW before um, the whole fiasco happened where yeah. they did it without it, which I hope they bring it back at some point. Yeah, there's there's been talk, you know, trying to get it back mm. up and everything, yeah. you know. But, well, good. If they had to be capped, I mean. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely help out because um, those two weeks are great. The only thing I didn't like about it was um, having to watch the Spurs lose to the Heat in the finals. <laughs> I remember well, we were we were staying with the nuns. And that's the right. That's right. And I was we had like five couches, also like a horseshoe. Yeah. Facing this tiny little TV, we were watching the finals. Yeah. And I was jumping from couch to couch. This was during Game Six. It's when Parker had hit the three. Spurs look like they're gonna run away with it. And, like, I'm on the third couch in the middle. I'm like, yeah, like, the trophy's right there. Right. I remember, yeah. Parker Duncan's probably going to get finals MVP. This is going to be great. Like, the Spurs are going to win their fifth championship the year I graduated high school. Oh, my God, the stars aligned for us. (laughs) And then Ray Allen happens. And I'm like, what the hell? What a dagger, man. And then we had to come back to the Express News that uh, days later. Yeah. Um, It was the Friday after the Spurs lost. So the first thing that I see is the front page of the Express News, and it says five and no, and it's Duncan <laughs> missing his floater, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Uh, no, yeah. get this out of my face. I'm with you, man. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah. it's been great, you know, the mentors that I've had. You've been, like, the, the most reliable one. No, man, uh, you know, you have always um, done what you said you were going to do. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, um, you've always come out, did your best, man, you know. And I can always tell you, you hustle. Nobody can, can't nobody match your hustle. You know, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, you're scrapping. Yeah. And the way you got here, put in for, the, you know, the conferences and the workshops and, you know, and getting the scholarship, you know, everything like that. And then just shadowing the people. Yeah. And they see they see your drive, so they want to help. You know, they want to help open the door. So, and I know you'll do the same for the next the next generation. Oh, yeah. I was trying my best to do that at the gala. Uh, I didn't realize it's pronounced gala. I thought it was gala. Well, well some people life. say gala. Yeah. You I, know? I was saying gala, gala until, uh, was it, Nora and um, Elaine were like, yeah, we'll see you at the gala. I was like, the gala? That's how you say it? So I was like, I don't want to sound like an idiot. So I was like, I've been saying gala since then. But a lot of the kids that were there... I say kids. Some of them are a couple years younger than me. Wow. But um, I was, you know, ask them, oh, where you go to school at? Or where are you transferring to? Right. You know, they tell me, like, all right, you're going to Texas State? You're going to, you're transferring over there? Mm-hmm. This is Kim Fox. And one of the girls that I, you know, I forgot her name. I introduced her to Kim Fox. And sure enough, ap- after that conversation, Kim Fox told her about another scholarship. And that girl got that scholarship. Wow. And I was, you know, Oh, you're in PR? Cool. You know, talk to my homie over here. She does PR. But those those um, those little 
th- pastors, man, you, you know, giving them that little bit of information, it means yeah. the world. I, mean, I remember, you know, sitting, I was attending SAC. Yeah. In, uh, in the journalism department, sitting there, and Elaine Aradias, you know Elaine Aradias. So Elaine Aradias works with People Magazine now. Oh, wow. But she's alumni of SAC, nice. of the Ranger. But I remember her standing there talking to us. Yeah. And I was like, asking her questions. So flash forward, you know, fast forward, you know, six years, and then we're, we're talking to you. Yeah. You know, and now you're talking to, to other folks. You know, so it's, it's just what we do, man. We just, everybody just kind of passes this on to everybody, to the next generation. Yeah, I just don't out. want them to have the rough path that I did. What do you mean as far as? No, just like my, my whole journey. Well, you know. At times it's been rough. Yeah, but the thing is, man, you've persevered. Yeah. And then the thing is that if you ever get into a fix, like, and even like, I've there's been times when I'm like, man, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was before I became a permanent, you know, full time at the Express News, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's those days like when you're freelancing, you're like, and when I was freelancing, I was, I was killing them. Yeah. I try. I mean, I was. That's all I did was write. So I'll do my homework. Yeah, <laughs> and then, but the, I had the beauty of it because the beauty of it was being able to uh, stay up late. Yeah, I'm up late anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've already done my reporting, so I could write these stories and turn them in to Lorna, you know, neighbors, and um, I was hungry, you know, and you know, just like you're hungry, man, and all of us when you you don't want to forget that feeling, you know, and yeah. and I learned not to take it for granted, you know. Um, so, um, shout out to all the folks that helped us. I know. You know, and... Yeah, I definitely don't take them away. Like, I, like I'll visit Burger whenever I can. She's uh, good people. She, yeah, she, she's great. Yeah. I remember we connected. <clears throat> there was a big conference, a high school competition. Uh-huh. And it's usually, like, on the East Coast, West Coast, but San Antonio hosted it one year. And so you had kids from all over the country competing. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, at that time, it was only, Kathy and I were the only ones that were, like, real serious about journalism in her class. Mm-hmm. So she took us, and we were in her car, and she's listening to Tejano music. And I'm like, Miss Burger's white. Why is she listening to Tejano music? <laughs> and then she's like, uh, she started talking about herself, and I was like, wait, you live by Woodlung? I was like, wow, she, she, she's, she lives on the west side? I was like, dang. It's like, so that's how we connected. Um, but I always send her my stories. She loves reading them. Um, and it's cool, because she's a... She's a product of Miss Sladden, who was my teacher at Lee. Okay. And Miss Sladden was one of my favorite teachers. So knowing that she was her sensei. Yeah. Um, I remember when we went to that competition, uh, we actually took the, we, we drove to Lee and then we took the bus with the Lee students to the competition. And um, that's when I saw her after like maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and so I'm so glad to see you again, Jose. And she was telling Burger, she's like, yeah, Burger was one of my kids. And um, she was like, um, wow, Jose. Because um, when, when I first got to Lee, this was a couple months after my mom passed away. I was like, I'm going to take a journalism class. Mm-hmm. My whole sophomore year, I wrote 50 stories. Wow. None of them were good, but I was just writing and writing and writing and That's writing. That's what you got to do. And I remember her telling Burger. I created a monster <laughs> having to edit a story almost every day. <laughs> but that's great, man. And, you know, you you know, you know, have to learn like this, um, especially as a features writer, yeah. you know, um, you take license. But, you know, at first it's sort of like it's 
something new. Yeah. When you and you love doing it, and um, when you open a story to like a song. Yeah. You know, like there's different ways you can open a song. Same way with stories, right? And I got hooked on the fact that the anecdote. Oh man, I love anecdote. You know, anecdotally, you know, and um, then I started writing. You know, like hard news. Um, you know, one editor's like. Dude, just just tell me the golf course. I mean, the, <laughs> just tell me, just 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 let us know what you know, what day and time, the golf tournament is going to take place. Okay, I think TV news taught me that. You know, and so once you learn that, you know, yeah. when is appropriate. I had to learn that, you know, because I was so caught up in feature writing, you know, and so now, you know, the briefs or hard news or whatever that we do, you know. Over so many years now, you just learn, you know, what's yeah. appropriate. But every once in a while, depending on what it is, you can you know, have more freedom. Yeah, you can stretch your muscles a little bit. Yeah, I think doing TV taught me how to get straight to the point sometimes. Not yeah. that I never did, but yeah, I remember Jeff Platt, who now is covering um, poker in, in Vegas. Uh-huh. He's a poker reporter, and he's also a poker player. Wow. He's a fantastic poker player, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember I was doing my stand-up at the Spurs game, and um, I would be very wordy, trying to describe things. And, right. You know, and he's like, Jose, all that print stuff, throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, he's like, there's a lot of things that you can use from print that will help you out here, but he's like, when you're on TV, you get straight to the point, yep. be conversational, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay. And that's when I started to see, you know, my stand-ups get better. And then when I, that internship ended after eight, nine months, however long it was. I was there for a while. Uh, <coughs> I remember coming back to print, and I'm like, okay, how can we, you know, find, um, you know, some middle ground of getting straight to the point, but also, you know, describing things. Right. Because um, I used to be very wordy, uh, especially when I... I when I, th- I thought I was a great writer, and then I got, and then as soon as that ended, I got to follow, you know, and that's when Ben Oliva would shred my stuff. But that's what that's what we need, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> my mentor, so Lorna used to always tell me, because I would when I first started writing for her, <laughs> I would turn in my little draft to her, <laughs> and, you know, and then it'd come back all red lines and stuff. Oh man. And then she'd be like, dig deeper, mm. you know, and I was like, what's? And she would explain it. And she was, uh, she's a great teacher. Yeah. She's like, okay, um, I know that you want to describe, but what's the story about? Mm. You know, so let's do that. And so she taught me about theme, the story, and things like that. Uh, and she said, you can still put people there. Yeah. But if the story's about grease waste traps, you know, and why it's harmful to, we need, you know, why it's harmful to nearby schools, we need to. We need to zero in on that, and so you know these things. You just you put in your toolbox. You're like, okay, I got that. Yeah. You know, because then you can weave in these little gold coins throughout your story. Yeah. You know these, you know, as you're talking about the court proceeding, or the city council meeting, or the school board meeting, you can put in, you can drop in that description of, you know, the council person, who maybe. You know, takes his shoe off and slams it. <laughs> on the ca- I mean, you know, there's things that you know, like there's, or maybe he dresses like. I mean, and I've seen this, man. You know, we we've all witnessed it. 
you know, where the council person may come in with a parrot on his shoulder. People say, oh, that's outrageous. But these things happen, yeah. and they should be in your story because it's out of the ordinary. Yeah. You know? But I, there was a time when, you know, I didn't know that we could do that. Where I did go to a car crash, it was a, fatal, it was a, fa- a fatality off of I-10 out by uh, Shirts yeah. and Converse. And there was a crowd around, and the guy had slammed underneath the tractor trailer. Oh yeah, so it was rainy, and there was a big crowd, about twenty, thirty people. And it was a tall guy with a rain, with a cowboy uh, rain slicker on, had a cowboy hat, he had a parrot on his shoulder. So I'm like, okay. So I, my thing is, I want to make sure I get all the information for a crime story. Yeah, because I got to turn into Dee Dee to Diana. Yeah, Fuentes. So I get back. I'm all proud of myself. I drive back. It's pouring down rain. Get back to the newsroom, and deadline is like you got like maybe 20, 30 minutes to write this story. Yeah. And I'm trying to make sure I get it all straight and everything. You know who, what, when, where, why, and how. And if, you know, and then your first five drafts and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And after the story's put to bed, this is back in the day. You know, it's, it's gone. And. Uh, so we're talking about, I said, yeah, it was really crazy, you know, I drove out there and all this stuff happened and, you know, the scene and they were, you know, the police were blocking everybody off and the car was really a mess and there was a guy in the crowd and he had on this big, you know, this big tall guy and this cowboy rain slicker and he had a cowboy hat and this big old parrot in his shoulder. And she just looked at me. Why isn't that in the story? She said, why isn't it in the story? Oh, said, she, gave me, she gave me one of those. You know? Why is that in the story? So I'm like, but at the time, I was thinking of just the facts. Yeah. You know, Dragnet, just the facts, you know. But if it's something out of the ordinary, yeah, that's when, you know, it starts to make that story a little bit richer. Yeah. You know. So I try, I try to do that. Um, you know, if I'm at an event or something, I'll count the people like, okay, let's do an estimate of how many people are here. Right. This might be important, you know. Who knows? Oh, yeah, all those extraneous notes because you want to make sure you have more than not enough. Yeah. You know. And so the next time that I went to a fire off McCullough, homeboy had a parrot. <laughs> and he was in the story. Wow. Yeah, yeah I was not, not the same guy, yeah. but it was really weird. I'm like, guy got a parrot in his shoulder. <laughs> oh, my God. And you just, these things you can't make up, man. A lot of times people are like, that didn't, it's like it, it happened. Not like Scott from season five of The Wire. I hate that guy. No, we don't. Oh, sh- man, look. I hate that guy. The Wire... Greatest TV show ever. Look, if you man. disagree, argue with your tia. <laughs> <laughs> Look, The Wire, man. I mean, season five was something. But you know my favorite season of that series? Four. Yes. Yeah, four is fantastic. It's a crime. That's a, it's a crime. That was the crime, man, what happened to those kids. Oh, man. And the system and the whole nine yards. Randy, where he's telling Carver. Oh. You gonna look after me, Mister Carver? You gonna look after me? He's walking down the hall. The voice is echoing down the oh, hall. Oh man, man. Look, that, yeah. that just that made me want to cry. Man, if you don't look, or he walks into the house, and he's like, "It's okay, you tried." Yeah. And then Carver just feels like crap. Look, and you know, you can. There's a lot you can you know glean and learn from from that. Um, yeah. In season five, the ending, the ending of the whole series is like every vacancy was filled. Every gap, somebody Omar gone, Michael filled it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, wow. Bubbles is clean. Oh, we got Dookie. Come on, you know. And I feel like, what do you feel about Randy? Do you feel like 
he's going to be... Because he showed he's a hustler. Yeah. So he had the makings of being a prop Joe, but he was also in the system, in the... Foster system. Foster system, yeah. like Bodhi. Yeah. Because Bodhi, remember when he left the... he. They took him to the was like a a boy basically like a boysville uh-huh. kind of thing yeah um, but in Baltimore and then he leaves and then Carver and Herc are going and they're like we're gonna interrogate this kid and he's gonna like give us all this information and they just pass by Bodie and Bodie's just like hitchhiking <laughs> and he ends up back in Baltimore wow so I feel like he's gonna be another Bodie which is he all Bodie follows me on Twitter yeah um. What's his name? J.D. Williams, I think. Yeah, 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 I think, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about LeBron and Jordan, and sure enough, he followed me. And he actually, um, I had put, I'm averaging, like, 70 viewers per episode. Okay. And he's like, keep up the great work, man. And I was like, Baldy from the waters, like, man, he said, keep you, up the man. great work. Come on. I was know? freaking out. I was like, it's my favorite TV character ever. Look, man, I mean... He represents the, you know, the working class person. Oh, yeah. You know, you do the right thing, you work hard, good things are supposed to happen, and nothing good happened to him. What is, what's the, what's the, how's the phrase go? Deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Come on. Oh, um, Snoop. Yeah, you know. Deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> the way she says it. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that character, man. I mean, when she came on She's with someone the nail gun... She's scary. I, I remember, because I think Stephen King said she's one of the scariest characters. In television history, yeah. yeah. I mean, because she was so matter-of-factly about it. And the guy was, he was on his game talking about, you know, this and that and all the technical and, yeah. you know, stuff. And she's like, you know, yo, man, this y'all take this. Here, no, you keep that. That's for you. <laughs> you earned that book like a mug. That's what she said. You earned that book like a mug. And she goes, he's like, okay. You know, man, yeah. I mean, and now the... I mean, when it was on and you watched it in real time. Yeah. I mean, and the folks that have come on, you know, come on since then and discovered it. I remember, man, we would get to work on Mondays and just be messed up. Yeah. You know, for the folks that watched it. There was like three or four of us that watched it. And we would be messed up, man, because every episode. But when they, when my, my, what did they say? That little hopper lit his. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Omar, are you like, What? That was I didn't see it coming, man. I was like, wow. Yeah, that that show is just it's it's amazing. I've seen it from start to finish three times. Have you? Yeah, so I saw it one time by myself. Then I dated this one girl and showed her. Then another girl that I dated, I showed her. <laughs> There's something about with, with the how you do that. I, I don't know what what that says, but I don't know, but I put I put on other friends too. Like I have I have a friend. She saw it from start to finish. She fell in love with it. I have another friend. She's on. She just started season five, and she's like freaking out. It's you know I think as as writers, man, like you know, I learned my mentors was like read everything. Yeah. And so and and absorb all this information from music to TV series mm-hmm. to you know to um, you know miniseries, whatever the case may be, and then of course literature. Yeah. So man, I try to. I try to read as much as I can, man. Like, you know, not other reporters and um, just nonfiction and in fiction, you know, novels. Was that writer that you recommended? Um, The one who did the story on, I think he's a janitor at a college and he ended up graduating from that same college. Uh, um, Hallman? Um, Oh, heck, I look him up. It was... Of the Oregonian. 
Yeah, because we were in your pod. It was me, you, Krista, and we were talking about that. Yeah, let me see. And uh, I think you had a little um, a little excerpt of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was probably like a daily assignment, but he, the way he, the detail and stuff he did, and yeah. and then hanging out with the guy. At his house? Yeah, right? yeah, and it was a small apartment, if I, if I remember. I think so, yeah. Um, but I remember reading that, uh, and it, it was super powerful. Yeah, it was, man. I mean, and because it, it wasn't a lot of, um, it's, you know, like there's, it wasn't forced. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's something that, you know, you shoot for. Yeah. Just to have for it to be natural. Because <clears throat> the people that can do a certain type of writing, like, you know, some people, they're not down with flowery, as say, flowery writing. Mm-hmm. And but if you're writing for the right effect or whatever, you know, in the story, man, I mean, it's all legit, yeah. you know. But that may not be your cup of tea, and if it's not, I, you know, a lot of times I don't understand why. I just turn the page, yeah, or move on to another story. But you know, I don't know. This a lot of times people just want to let you know they didn't. <laughs> they didn't like the fact that you wrote the stories. Like okay, but you have the option to. Yeah. Either turn the page or just, you know, don't read it, you know? So, uh, but a lot of times they want to, they'll send you an email that you know. And that's that's their right. Yeah. That's cool. That's fine. You know, that's what we're here for. Communication, you know. True. So, we do the best we can. What's that guy's name, man? I can't think. <laughs> I can't think of his name either. Like, oh, I honestly. Oh, man. And I think I had followed him on Twitter. Or I didn't follow him. I sent his Twitter to... I direct messaged his, the link to his Twitter to myself. I think But then I, I deleted my my DM for some reason. Tom Hallman Jr. There you go. Tom, yeah. There we go. Tom Hallman Jr. And he uh, he also had a book about the... Ah, what was the name of the book? The um, Yeah, but Tom... He, man, I mean, he's... Understated, mm-hmm. you know, and he has these great stories. Because yeah. he wrote the story about the the salesman that went no door to door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember right. you telling me that one too. Yeah, um, but if you read like Rick Bragg and the um, the washerwoman who gave all of her savings to Mississippi uh, Mississippi University for scholarships. Wow. Yeah, he won a Pulitzer Prize for a series of stories. And the description in there, you're like, wow, dude, you know. And that's when, you know, going to SAC and talking to Mr. Hunt and Irina Brago and, and uh, Marianne Odom, you know, you, you learn to to use whatever's happened to you. You can kind of tap into that for mm-hmm. your story, you know. You know, so, like, that's, he talks about, the fact that this woman would wash the linen um, for people who had parties that she was never invited to. Damn. That's it. Man, you come on. Come on. Come on now. You know, that, I mean, when you, if you read it, you're like, wow. So that makes you dig deeper, if you will. And that's, you know, you can sit down and write it. You can knock a story out. Yeah. You know, but when you sit down, you really think about you know, how am I going to say this? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it deserve? Which, how, you know, and to really express how this person is feeling, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
so I, I would, Tom Holman Jr. does the same thing, you know, and Dan Barry does it, you know, also. Um, has a great book out called This Land. This Land? And it's, it's a compilation of his columns. Dan Barry, This yeah. Land. Yeah. Definitely writing that down. So, and then when you read it, he, he goes around the country, sort of like what we're trying to do in the city, but he goes around the country to all the different states, and he goes through the shootings, like if there's a racial shooting in a church. Oh, man. Or there's a town that's dying, literally, financially, withering away. He'll go there and talk to the people. Um, I mean, just, oh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the ones he did in this, uh, he went to this uh, meeting, a reunion of, I don't know if it was a reunion, but it was a meeting of these women who were burlesque dance, dancers back in the 40s and 50s. Oh, yes. You, you, no. yeah, you saw the photo? Yes. And it shows a young girl, and they're all like in canes and wheelchairs and stuff now. That's what we can do, man, and that's what I think we should do, is share those stories, you know. So that's what we're trying to do, you know. I know that's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, with your stories. I'm, and I'm wait. I know I haven't seen the handball story yet. Oh man! But I'm waiting to read it, and then I'm I'm interested to see what you're working on. After I'm gonna put that. myself on the spot. <clears throat> okay. Putting myself on the spot. All right. This Sunday, I'm gonna visit them, and I'm gonna try really, really hard to finish it by Sunday, and then give it to Dee Dee. Okay. Give it to Dee Dee by Monday, and then have her. Shred it to pieces and then send me some questions. <laughs> I love Dee Dee so much. She she has questions for day. I remember the first time she edited one of my stories and she had it was the story on the hundred year old woman. Okay. When I went yeah. to her birthday party. Yeah. Um and I was like, what the heck? There's a question, 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 question. And I'm like, okay, how can I answer all of these damn questions at once? And I did. <clears throat> And uh, but there were there were there were great questions and um, but it was cool because of the you know the following story that I did I think it was the the Angie Martinez one the the family whose mother passed away it was weird their mother passed away in June 2010 the same month and year my mom passed away mm, okay so I came across them in Thanksgiving 2017 okay. Because I was going around town trying to find different spots that were, you know, anything that wasn't, uh, what's the big downtown one? The Thanksgiving, the... Oh, the Jimenez? The Jimenez one. Yes. Anything that wasn't that. Yeah, sure. Because that gets coverage all the time. Right. So I went around town. You went to the west side? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was over there at St. Jude um, Church on General McMullen and Culebra. No, okay. not Culebra, Commerce, Commerce. It's West Commerce, right across the street from the Whataburger. Okay. And Caddy Corner to the Boyle Local, <coughs> El Apoyo Local. So I visited them. I'm like, man, this could be a great story. I was like, I probably can't do it at the moment because mm-hmm. this is when I was, my contract with Follow was about to end. Okay. So all I was doing was just social media stuff. So I was like, you know what? I need to come back a year later. You know, I'm going to come back. Sure enough, came back. Two of the siblings were familiar with me. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember you from last year. So, um, you know, sure enough, the whole family was there. It's a, it's a family of five, and they're all in their 40s, 50s. And their mother, what she would do is she would give away turkeys every year. Yeah. And um, 
to honor her life, they're like, you know what? Let's do what she did, but let's take it to another level. Let's feed, you know, the West Side. So sure enough, I think this past one they fed about it. seven or 800 people. I think I remember the photo. Did you take the photo? No, no, it I was... um. I don't know the girl. I think she, she might have been a freelance photographer. I remember the photo. It, sticks in my it was head. a great photo. It was like the young kid with the little hairnet and the adult finder, and they were handing out plates to people. Uh-huh. But it was great. Um, it was a great story. Um, got a lot of people crying when it, whenever I was interviewing them. Um, and I already know what's, you know, I just stay silent, you know. It's hard sometimes, man. Like, uh, the first time I broke <laughs> was. With the Diversity Institute, we yeah. had to. So the first half of the the program, um, the month and a half is um, all in the classroom. Yeah, and then the second half is they put you out in the different you know municipalities around That's Nashville. Good. So they assigned me my. It was one of my. No, it was my first obit there, but I had written obits as an EA. Yeah. So I went out, and but the only difference is is. You do obits here. A lot of times, you just do it over the phone. Oh wow! But we had to go out to the house. Oh no! It was this uh, this uh, Mexican dude from Mexico, and I think uh, he had two boys with him, and he went out. He used to go uh, diving in a cave underwater, in this lake, for shells, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. or something. And I remember his mother was there with with his wife, his mm-hmm. widow. And they were telling me the story, and the grandmother had written a poem in Spanish uh, about, she called him the dolphin, but in Spanish. Yeah. And she was reading it. And so as she was reading it, I was remembering what she had said, what happened, that he had made the final dive, you know, because his boys were on the pier waiting for him, mm-hmm. his two little boys. And as she's reading it, I'm thinking, I'm just seeing in my mind, him diving down, yeah, out of sight into this little inlet cave, you know. Yeah. And the boys are just waiting for him. He yeah. never came back. And she's reading it, and she's crying. His widow's crying, and I'm trying to, you know, you know. And I did until I got to the car, and I'm just like, you know, yeah. And you know, but ever since then, I've had. You know, not just me, but we've had to go out to the soldiers who were killed, you know, the families of soldiers killed in Iraq and stuff. And then if it hits you, you know, you, I just let it, it, it just does what it, I let it go. Yeah. Because we're human, you know. I think that moment for me was, I was actually just translating for another reporter. Uh-huh. So we went to the Greyhound, the the, the bus station. Mm-hmm. Over there off of Pecan? I think so, right of, not too far from here, right? Travis yeah. Park. Pecan and St. Mary's, I believe. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I remember we were there with the asylum seekers, and this was before, like, asylum seekers was a yeah. sexy story. Uh-huh. Like, people were covering it, but not at the at the rate it's been covered right. as of the last, you know, last year or so. Yeah. So Darcy was a writer, and um, I was translating for her because all the, all the women there speak Spanish. So they get there with their kids and, you know, Obviously, they're fleeing their countries. Right. And this one woman was fleeing her country from Central America. Mm. And I remember um, we were sitting there for hours and just looking around. And I don't know 
I guess because of my experiences with my mom. Yeah. Seeing a mother mm-hmm. have, like, trying to mask the pain that she has. Right. It's, like, one of the worst things to see. Yeah. And you could see it on all their faces, all the mother's faces. Mm. You know, they're fleeing their country for whatever tragedy or whatever horrific thing they're trying to run away from. Right. They're trying to hold it together for their kids who yes, don't even know what's going on. Yep. They're just like, okay, we're we're on a bus. Okay, we're at a bus station. Hmm. We just got some cl- <coughs> we got some clothes. We got a bag. Here are some toys. And the kids are just, you know, they're just being kids. Right. And I remember one of the kids had came up to me, and um, he was talking to me about my camera. Ah. So we just started talking. I was talking to the little kid, and then the mom, like, she, she smiled. It was like, a, like her first genuine smile that she had the whole day. You know, because she's like, oh, look, my, my kid's, you know, interacting with somebody. So I'm talking to him in Spanish. And um, sure enough, you know, maybe we can approach this woman. Because right. Darcy and I were 22-year-olds at the time. And we were like, what the hell do we do? Like, how do we tackle this? Right. Um, so we're talking to the woman. And she uh, she talks about her son was, her 12-year-old son was murdered. Oh, my gosh. He didn't want to give away his, his bicycle to this guy who was a part of this, this either this cartel or this gang. And um, she was telling other stories how uh, those same guys that run with him um, had murdered his family because they couldn't pay their rent or something like that. Yeah. Like, she was mm. telling me all this stuff, and I'm like, what the heck? And she was telling me that her son was basically dismembered. Oh, my gosh, man. So wow. she pulls out her phone, and I'm looking at Darcy. I'm like, I think she's going to pull out a phone, her phone to show us a picture of her son. Sure enough. It's a casket, and his body's in plastic inside the casket. Wow. His head, I'm not even exaggerating, his head is where his feet were at. And I'm like, what the hell? Wow. And she's just telling me this, yeah. and I'm just sitting there. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm translating for Darcy. Um, the chances of us, of that story being viewed, were very slim, but is this for this? Was this was for follow. Okay. And um, I remember just telling her, I'm like, if we're gonna take pictures, I don't want to do any faces. Like, I don't feel comfortable. Sure. Um, I'll do over the head shot. So I did a shot over the head of um, a woman holding a doll. Okay. And then did another one of that same family, but the back, their their backs, and they're walking towards the bus. Right. It was a great photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, taking like showing faces, yeah. Um, and then I didn't. Where, where I didn't. Were they, we, headed? they were headed to Georgia, I believe. Okay. Um, and I remember they're getting on the bus, and I just didn't ask them for their names. And you know, we he didn't get upset with us, but he just told us um, we we got back to the the office. Ben was like, "Did you get her name?" And we were like, "No." And we told him why. He's like, he's like, sometimes I forget you guys are really young. Um, he's like, but you still have to ask for names. He's like, the only reason why I'm telling you this is so that way um, we can say we at least asked. Yeah. So now we have to put in the story that we didn't ask. Because Ben's very, very ethical. Well, And, and know, that's what I love about him. He <clears throat> everything stems from Santorin <clears throat> College. Yeah. Because... Um, I remember when I got there as an editorial assist, um no, I was an editorial cartoonist, yeah. and I would sit in the corner drawing cartoons, mm-hmm. and Ben and Chris would come running in from chasing down um, an ACCD member, 
yeah. accused of something, <laughs> you know, or just coming from his house being, being you know, threatened and stuff like that. <laughs> but they asked the questions. Yeah. They asked the hard questions, man. And, you know, different people have different approaches, you know. Um, a, lot of thing, a lot of times with the stuff that, that I'm, I'm able to do, uh, the feature writers, you know, it's more conversational. Yeah. You know, and listening. Um, but, you know, the few times that I've had to ask a question, it's like you cut to the chase. Yeah. And you do what you got to do, you know. Uh, but that, that man, that, that, that was a very, very uh, difficult situation that y'all were placed in. But <coughs> now you know to get, you know, you may not necessarily need the photo, but to get the name, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and who knows what you're going to run into tomorrow. Yeah. You know, because... <laughs> no, I definitely learned from that that um, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, it was like, okay, we have to ask now. Um, yeah. And so I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be very, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Very, um, not sensitive, but I guess sensitive to the situation. Sure. Like, I mean, I, like I'm... I'm going to play it by ear. Like hey, That's exactly what you do. I mean, every situation may call for a different tack or approach. Yeah. You know, and... Because um, I feel like she was comfortable enough for me to ask her for her name, but it was just my first time Yeah, being put in that situation. Um, so it ended up being a great story. Um, I saw other people cover it, and I thought we we did a great job of covering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time picking me up, and it was it was Friday the thirteenth. I wow. still remember. We went to you know this event, this art event, mm-hmm. a couple of art events. I remember just sitting in her car, and I had like this blank face, and she's like, "What's wrong?" Mm-hmm. So I just explained everything to her. I was like, "This, I've n- never experienced something like this. Like this is stuff you hear about, you see in the news, right? But like for someone to who has experienced it, and for them to tell you their story, and to show you pictures on top of that." That just it, it was, it was a crazy experience for me. But um, I definitely learned, especially you know Ben telling us gotta ask, at least. And uh, but everything that he he would tell me, you know, I, I would listen. I still remember him telling us, um, the way I want you guys to report. Uh, I want you to look at Viana Davila. Hey, let me tell you something. <clears throat> so, da- Viana, you know, we sat. Um, we had to, we were sat in the same pod. Yeah, you know, and I call him a little sister. Um, but um, people, reporters like Viana, I mean, are more than the real deal, man. I mean, yeah, she also taught journalism at Texas State. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. She did. She did. Yeah, but you know, because um, Darcy was one of her professors. Oh, was she? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. I mean, what, what Viana does, man, is, I mean, the whole package. Yeah. The, you know, the, she's resourceful. I mean, interview techniques, you know, the whole nine yards, you know. And I would sit there sometimes, and she'd have, like, she'd be on her cell phone, her landline. Damn. <laughs> you know, crooked on her shoulder and typing at the same. I'm like, she's talking two conversations. Of, because, or either I've been with her, because we were on the copy together. Oh, nice. And uh, we would be out driving and stuff. And uh, I remember um, she was waiting on a phone call from, um, what's his name? Uh, the police chief. Uh, oh, McManus. McManus. And um, I think he was either 
in the interview process. Was it for CPS? Mm, no, no, no. Oh, when he was becoming chief. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, or he was on his way here. Or he had just been accepted or something. We were driving through Brackenridge Park. Yeah. And he called. And she pulled off to the, to pull the truck over to the, or the car over to the side of the road and then conducted the interview and everything right there. I mean, she, it doesn't, she's just like that. Ever ready. I've done a lot of interviews where I pull out my, my laptop and I'll just go to um, QuickTime, hit yeah. record. Yeah. And they're, they're on the phone. I remember one time I was interviewing, a, it was a cop about something. And he's like, are you driving? I was like, no, I'm actually pulling over right now. <laughs> don't arrest me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes you just, that, you know, I don't have my laptop sometimes, but sometimes, like, at home, when I'm working on stories, I have to, I may have to do that on the computer. Yeah. You know, and stuff on my on my iPod, my iPad. Uh, but um, you, do, you do what you got to do, man, you know. And she's one of those folks that it, there's nothing you can throw at her, you know. Yeah, I remember Ben was telling us how, just of a badass reporter that she is. And I remember it was, and I was pissed literally maybe five days after he told us that. Uh-huh. Um, this was working at Draft House at the time. I get off my shift and I'm looking at Facebook and I see these different events and I'm like, oh, there's a East Side Against Violence event. Mm-hmm. And this was because of that young, I think it was a four or five year old kid who, who was killing the drive-by two mm-hmm. years ago. So I was like, oh, shit, it starts at this time. I, need right. to, I got out of work at 5, and I was like, it starts at 6. Like, damn. So I drove home, changed real quick, you know, grabbed my camera. <laughs> I told Ben about it. I was like, hey, Ben, this, you know, there's this thing. And he's like, go for it. <clears throat> so I'm driving, you know, driving to the east side. I get to this place, and I'm like, okay. I got there at like 6.05. I'm like, okay, is this the place? I parked at the wrong church. <laughs> Well, it was at the church, but they had the, the church venue. Gotcha. So I'm looking around. I was like, well, there's a crowd of people over there. Mm-hmm. So there's that guy, Big Al. Big um, Al Gertman. He's like a barber, pastor. Okay. Um, he's like a big figure on the east side, and he um, he hosts, he's the one who organized the whole event. And uh, so I told Ben, I was like, hey, you know, I got my camera with me, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to start interviewing people. I'm going to sit through it whatever he's like i'm gonna report as much as i can because he said you know viana reports as much as she can until she has no more questions that's right then she leaves i get there guess who's there viana dog i, I, was, I was like what the hell? i was like you got one of the best reporters no it gets worse it gets worse it gets worse i gotta shoot photos while looking across the room guess who's the photographer well, um Billy or Jerry? Lisa Krantz. Ooh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you got one of the best photographers in the freaking country, one of the best reporters, <laughs> and you're asking me to out-report them and out-shoot photos? I was you like, just, this is you, some you BS. Just, you just you take the hit. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, but, you know, it's a learning situation. Though. I mean, yeah. so did you, were you able to, when you read Viana's story? Uh, well, yeah, I compared them with yeah, and I compared them the, fo- the following day. That's, the, that's what you do. That's, um, that's the lesson there. Unfortunately for her, she had to. Uh, it was like one of those quick stories. Yeah. Um, me, I had the had the freedom to be you do a more it in, yeah more in depth story. Yeah. <coughs> but I remember Lisa had went outside to take photos, uh-huh. and I wasn't trying to like like do do what she did, but like, I was like I'm, I'm gonna do my own thing. Sure. But when she went outside, 
something told me, like, let's stay inside. So I stayed inside. And um, sure enough, the organizer, some other pastor, and one of the, the younger cats who spoke, mm-hmm. they gathered around and they started to hold hands. And this is after the event's over and everyone's outside. And I'm like, here we go. So I took a photo of them holding hands. And yeah. there's a guy who had a Stop the Violence shirt. And you had the pastor just, you know, he's, sp- you know, speaking with conviction. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is it right here. The point, it's pointing yeah. and gesturing. Yeah, this is great. See, and, and that's why a lot of times, as much as you get there early, you also linger. Yeah. You know, um, was it there? Some there's some classic stories out there, man. That that uh, I think what was the one? Um, Little Duck. It's, I have to I have to look it up for you. Yeah. Um, with Vietnam, uh, a soldier, a soldier oh, killed in Vietnam, and. His funeral was a very famous story. Um, but, you know, those, you know, being able to just hang out and do that, even though you may have, you know, a deadline. Yeah. But just, you know, not just, you can parachute in. Sometimes you don't have a choice but to parachute in and get out. But if you have that, the luxury or you have some time or you can, you yeah. know, hang out and just linger <laughs> or get your wire on, you know. I know. It was, it was great. It was, <laughs> it was also very sad. I still remember the, one of the opening quotes that I had. Um, Big Alice said, um, I'm tired of having plate sales and barbecue or barbecue plate sales to bury someone's kid. Wow. That is a good quote, man. Look at you. I was like, oh, my God. But, you know, you if you don't have the ear for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think most of us do, but there's some things you can't <clears throat> paraphrase. In that, in that case, that's, that, yeah. that's a great quote. But as you go along, you learn to paraphrase and do stuff you know yeah but you know these you you do these stories you know because they are necessary yeah uh but you also uncover the other side uh stories that people like the handball story yeah you know because it also helps to um maybe let folks know that one side of town is not just one thing Exactly. There's people there who have put kids to school and, you know, Shoot, have look jobs. at the Ghost Town Survivors. These, yeah, these oh, guys were like... Look, you talk about the Ghost Town Survivors. Ghost Town Survivors, man. man. That was another story. That was a story I was proud of, but I was scared because you had covered them for so long. I'm like, damn, like, no, I gotta... No, man, but that's what we need to do is, like, we hand off. Or, like, you yeah. may do a story that I follow you on, but... I can't write the story the way Jose writes the story. Yeah. I mean, your story about the barber, I was like, wow, this cat put me there. Yeah. I mean, the description of, you know, the building and everything and what was going on with the crowd, I was like, I was like, each one is better. I mean, not that, you know, each one gets a little bit more better. You can see the comfort level yeah. and telling the story, man. So, you know, but you... You was telling these stories that, you know, um, they not only show the folks that live there, they can look in the paper and see someone that looks like them. Yeah. You know, which is great. But then the people in, outside the you know, other sides of the city and outside in the region can go like, wow, oh, I didn't know, you know. And you don't know who that's going to inspire yeah. any kid or any person of any race to, to read your story like that. Yeah, it was really cool. It was cool to see... Story from the 07 zip code. 
written by a kid from the 07 zip code, and it's on the front page. Well, you know, the here's the thing about <clears throat> Lisa Kranz was the one who brought the ghost town survivors. She asked me if I would work on a story with her. And I had never heard of ghost town survivors. But I remember the the research when I Googled it, and we even went in our archives, I couldn't find anything on these guys. Yeah. Even the name Ghost Town. Yeah. So you do feel like an anthropologist is something unearthing something that has been there for everybody. Yeah. Anybody to dig in and write a story about. Mm-hmm. But until, you know, Lisa, you know, met Juan, you know, an event, and then invited us in. So, you know, we did our series of stories, and then you continue it. And then somebody else will continue it because it's a story that should be told. And Hector was one of the uh, people that were doing a story on, San Antonio story on. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I saw the photo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's in his, his hat and his little burgundy shirt. You know, but, you know, you, these people, we, we, you know, we drive, we get in our cars, and we get in the highway, mm-hmm. and we drive down toward, you know, 35, 90, you know, to mm-hmm. 90 and 10, and we drive past these neighborhoods, you know, and there's all these things going on. It's crazy, that barber story. <clears throat> There's an owner. I'm going to be very, uh, I'm not going to be very descriptive about this because it's, it's something that I'm going to work on. <laughs> um, so there is a an owner of a business that's been around for 100 years. Okay. And he read that story. Mm-hmm. And he went to the barber shop and he met with um, Jesse. Yeah. Parientes at the barber shop. He's like, and he was waiting for him. He was there before he, Jesse even got there. Wow. It's like, hey, I'm the owner of such and such. Uh, uh, they were just, you know, he's like, I read your story on the front page. I had to stop by and meet you. Love the work that you're doing for the community, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if they're going to do something together. Okay. Um, but this place is going to celebrate its 100th birthday soon mm-hmm. uh, before the end of this year. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a lot of history. And I remember talking to another business owner. And their, you know, their business has been around for decades too. They're like, yeah, that they've been around for, blah blah. Like that's history right there. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so that's what you're working on next. <laughs> yeah, I'm just okay. Just don't want anyone to steal it. It's it's a different age now. You know, like you before you could kind of say coming soon or next week. Yeah. But if you put it out there, yeah, then people might be like, oh wait, what is what is this? You know, and somebody else can jump on it. Yeah. But you know, even like, at that, like I don't. As much as I'm being vague about it, but there's, I mean, I I don't see don't care because, like you said earlier, like no one's gonna tell that story better than me. No, man, and that's the thing. You know, you. That's one thing that the mentors always stress was like, man, you know, just tell the story the best way you can. Yeah. Don't be. Don't worry about how she would do it or he would do it. And this is Jose telling the story. Yeah. You know, and the little. The flourishes and little things and, you know, the way that you you make the pace, the whole nine yards, you yeah. know. That's you, you know. And it's not wrong. And I and I, that's one thing is, you know, I was lucky that most of the folks that work with me mm-hmm. um, and taught me um, just little, they, little things, you know, like start with the action, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, I, I can only imagine... The poor, these poor folks had to read my me, read my copy the first, you know, and they're like, 
okay, we understand the wind was blowing at so-and-so, but can we get to what the story's about? Or just, yeah. you know, to synthesize it. And that's one thing you learn, you know. And once we learned that, um, it, we were off and running. Because every, then it was just a learning process. Every time you sat down with an editor, they gave you a little something about attribution or, yeah. you know, verbs or, you know, whatever. And uh, then you read, you know, Pointer and all these other people and everything. And that's you. It's your voice, man, you know. And to have a good ear for that, you know, for something, detail or quote, mm-hmm. you know. And I think half the, half the issue, half the problem, or, or, you know, for a lot of folks, and for me, it was for a bit until I got confidence, which is sit down and write. Do it. Yeah. You know? And your story, you start to see your, your story shape come, you know, you can see the shape and form of your story come with every edit. Yeah. Because, you know, I would always print out I would print out my story, staple it, the, you know, the pages, and then go through and do mm-hmm. my edits. And sometimes it was seven, it might be, you know, it's seven to 17 page, you know, edits just going through them. Dang. You know? Because that's where the, you know, everything starts, the story comes to form. That's yeah. when you start to form your story. And, you know, I still look at stories like, dang, I should have. I should have changed that to, (laughs) but it's done. I'm good, you know, and you do the best you can. And when you do it on deadline, you know, every once in a while, like on the crime, when it was on the crime team, it was just like, bam, the facts. Okay, here you go, bam, we're out. Because you may do, you know, two stories and three briefs that night. Yeah. You know, but um, every once in a while you'll do a story and you have to, and, you know, it's not a, you know, it's just one of those stories where there was a car crash. I remember the first one I did. And I started to use the stuff that they had taught me at the Ranger and that, that I learned from Kim Fox and everybody. You know, about, it could have just been a simple story about a, this happened, this happened. You know, police showed up, so and so and so on. Nobody died. It was a fatality, you know. Yeah. But we, they said, we, they used to tell us, we have so much space, Vince, so you can, you know, you can go this, this length. And I remember all those details from the notebook putting in about, you know, and it's probably cliche because everybody probably does it, but for that day on 7A, <laughs> <laughs> it was, if you read it, you wanted to be the best story that you could offer for that page. Yeah. And so I remember just the, it was like a laundry list, but it was just like, you know, the broken sunglasses, you know, the torn teddy bear or the, and the lone shoe, you know, shadow, elongate, you know, you know, the long shadow of the sneaker, the lone sneaker, and the, yeah. you know, that type of thing, you know. And um, it was the first time that, you know, the editor was like, oh, man, on deadline, mm-hmm. you know. And then it was a retired journalism teacher, a professor who wrote and said, that's how you write a story, you know. Because mm. we had the facts of what had happened, what time, you know, the crash, the cars, but then we went to we just kind of started weaving in the detail as we closed the story out, you know. And you learn to do that, and then it's like the toolbox you got with you, man. You, you know. Oh yeah, I'm definitely learned a lot here. Being, just being here for a year, learning through Nick, yeah, um, learning through Didi and yourself. Um, just y'all three alone. Um, well, Friday night great. sports, Saturday night sports, man, is rough. Oh yeah, and I know the deadline's even earlier now. Is it? Yeah, um, game starts at seven on Saturdays. Deadline ten, sometimes nine forty-five. But man, that's great. That is great training. 
I'm serious. Because yeah. when they do come to you, and like Jose, I need you to go cover. Because you know how it is. You, it's not going to be a warning. It's not going to be. Yeah. You'll be. <laughs> you may be up here like today. Yeah. And something may happen, and they may say, "We need you to go cover whatever." And that's when all this, everything you put in your toolbox, you just kind of is at your oh, disposal, yeah. and you do it on deadline. And it, it's going to come. It's going to happen. You'll and, be ready. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always do this segment. Tell people. Uh, to talk their shit, so you can talk your ish. You, ish. you can you can you can talk about um, this new opportunity that you have. You can talk about um, something that's bugging you, just like Jamil Hill. Except yeah. I'm not at, I'm not on her level yet. Well, I'm I mean, Jamil Hill is is yeah. is, is top tier god level journalist. <laughs> no, it's a great podcast. I'm bothered, man. I, I listen yeah. to it, but now I have your podcast. Listen to also. I'm already on episode. Well, not. In numerical order, but in the third podcast, so nice. it's good, man. You you're doing your thing, but you know, I I guess the opportunity to to do um, essay stories or San Antonio stories is really, um, like I say, a blessing um, because um, I'm I'm really fortunate that they have enough trust in me yeah. to go out and do this column or stories, prevent, present these stories every Monday, you know, and we've already got, like I say, we've got enough to get us through December wow. already, and there's, like, enough to get us through this month and into November. We already have them finished. Nice. Um, and, it, you know, and then also just fortunate enough to, man, to be able to have this job and, you know, be able to go out and do what we do be it on deadline mm-hmm. or, you know, for the, the space um, and meet all these different folks. I mean, I've met, I've met folks, man, from, you know, um, people that are 108 years old, 110. You know? Oh, yeah, you used my, my story, a part of your bigger story. Yes, yes, that. put that in, right? Yeah. So um, uh, former fo- folks who worked at NASA, wow. you know, um, all types of folks in the military, retirees, Vietnam veterans, reunion stories. So, I mean, uh, and then, you know, to be able to sit down and do those stories, man, it's just like, you know, it's a blessing, man. All right, where can we find you on social media? Uh, Twitter at Vincent Davis and Vincent T. Davis on Facebook. Nice. And I'm on Instagram, but I guess it's linked to Facebook. I guess it's Vince Davis on Facebook. Instagram. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. We'll put it in on the description. <laughs> you can find me at Sports Guy Jose. That wraps it up for episode ten. All right. This one's the longest one too. I know. I was thinking, man, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> we're going for broke. <laughs> uh, love you guys for listening. Stay brown. <laughs> yeah. You made the break that in a two point.